What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It is I, your host as always, Adam Perez, back once again with a brand new episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news streaming live for you guys over on our Facebook page, as well as our YouTube page, and also uh, streaming live over on Twitch for you gamers as well, guys. So thank you very much for certainly coming through and enjoying your weekend here with us as we're going to be breaking down six topics for you guys. Uh, we've got a couple honorable mentions at the very top, and at the end of our episode, we'll definitely be getting to your guys's live viewer questions. There is, in fact, a live viewer question post up currently over on our community tab. So if you are at our YouTube channel, feel free to go over to community and feel free to submit any of your questions over. Uh, and we'll definitely go ahead and tackle those at the end of the episode. But uh, fantastic to be back in this chair, guys. Just a little bit of a heads up. We may not be having an A-plus Hero Report episode next weekend. Uh, a couple things are certainly happening next weekend. If I'm not mistaken, Stuart, I do believe it is, in fact, um, Power Morphicon, if I'm not mistaken. We might have uh, some Power Morphicon content for you guys to certainly be dropping uh and then also i got my draft i got my fantasy football draft next sunday uh, i got two drafts that are certainly going to be happening so it's definitely going to be keeping uh keeping me quite busy uh on sunday afternoon so uh, but don't worry we certainly will be having more content for you guys especially as we do our best to wrap up power up morphicon next weekend as well so we'll definitely go ahead and keep you guys posted throughout the weekend over on the community tab as to what's going on but uh it's not just myself here today oh no good old Stuart Branscombe back in the house what's going on buddy i'm loving that beanie I, I you wear it from time to time and i always i'm keep thinking to myself i need me a flash beanie yeah i don't know where i got this one this one was a christmas gift uh from my little brother but uh yeah it's it's really nice super comfortable and uh it used to light up uh doesn't anymore oh I really think I, yeah i think maybe uh one of the cords might have gotten ripped up but yeah there's like mm. kind of a couple of uh like tiny little lights here so you press like a button somewhere here and it all kind of like starts to spark uh to light up it's kind of cool that is pretty cool man um i wanted to ask you because um you know we talked this past week um we actually applied for press passes for power morphicon now i know you already planning on going in attendance but you did get an email back uh, accepting you right yeah, I, I was really surprised by that. But yeah, I got the uh, email. They said, uh, yeah, you are uh, you've been accepted for the press pass and uh, you just got to pick it up when you go register for or when you go in to get your uh, badges for uh, Morphicon. I'm so glad that they got back to you, man. I was really worried because the last time I tried to apply, uh, they took forever to get back to me. Um, and I don't remember if they even got back to me in a timely manner to where like I, I was able to even purchase a ticket for a plane. You know, it's like, I don't know if I, I was only going to go if i got my press pass um but I, I heard back from him so late i couldn't even pick up a plane ticket but it, it works that you're already going that you're much closer than i certainly am so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they that you landed a a press pass there so uh for the people are you gonna at least be able to try and record some panels you think uh yeah that's gonna be my main goal trying to get some panels uh recorded and then if i can if uh if it's convenient for any of the actors i'm gonna try to see if i can get any uh interviews at all i have like a list of different uh you know power ranger actors i'd really love to uh you know um get some insight on like for you know certain projects uh yeah. because a lot of them like especially with like uh yoshi and uh um peter sadarso like it seems like the two of them are up to so much now so it's yeah. like if i get a chance i would love to like get some uh like get some thoughts from them and everything yeah man i'm i i would absolutely love that i'm pumped for you to certainly go this isn't your per first power morphicon is it 
Oh uh, yeah, it is. Uh, my oh, first nice. one. Oh, nice. I, I was I was gonna try to go to the one uh, that they were gonna have uh, before Dino Fury, but of course, you oh. know that was in 2020. Yeah. So it got you know shut down. Nice breaking that power morphicon cherry. I love it. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Uh, but yeah, this week, guys, definitely stay tuned to our channel. We'll certainly have some uh, power morphicon content for you guys. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, but good to see you, man. I'm hoping that your week certainly went well. I know we've been trying to get uh, Indy back here, um, but he's still been having to deal with the work and the crazy work schedule. And I think maybe people coming in and out and stuff. So um, no Indy this weekend, but maybe we'll certainly try and see if we can get him here in the next couple of weekends but if you guys do miss indy trust me when i say he's got plenty of content that's dropping this week for you guys if you did miss it he did drop his she hulk episode one review indy will be doing she hulk on a weekly basis for us so definitely go ahead and Excuse me. Check those out every Friday at 1 p.m. Central Time. That's when those are dropping. Uh, and then tonight, Stuart, House of the Dragon premieres. Yes. Uh, if it hasn't already, I don't know the time that they're dropping it. Maybe they already dropped it. I have no idea how it works when it comes to HBO Max. Um, but House of the Dragon is, in fact, today. And Indy will also be doing reviews for House of the Dragon. Those, in fact, will be dropping Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. So definitely go ahead and stay tuned. So, uh, yeah, some great content certainly headed your way she hulk house of the dragon i'm going to be doing uh the rings of power from amazon along with the upcoming star wars series and or here in the next couple of weeks so a lot of content definitely headed your guys's away so if you aren't subscribed to the channel please do so and also click that big uh thumbs up if you continue to like our content uh and feel free to share these videos any time um stewart Let's get into some honorable mentions. Let's go ahead and kick off this week's episode, man. Um, do you have any honorable mentions or recommendations for us today? I got one recommendation for everyone here that watches our videos and loves Power Rangers. I just watched like probably one of the most epic action movies I've ever seen uh, last night called RRR. I believe it's a Bollywood film. And it's um, like, let me put it this way. It was so much fun that it was a three hour movie and it was two o'clock in the morning when I finished it. And I still wanted to rewatch it immediately <laughs> after it was over. Uh, but yeah, it's basically, it's a, uh, really awesome action comedy musical uh drama what? type of movie it has okay. everything and it's also a, a historical piece to an extent like it's based on two uh historical figures but of course i'm pretty sure it's safe to say that the actual uh plot is kind of all you know fictionalized and everything uh but yeah it's uh what's so cool about it is like a lot of times like every scene you know they everything that could be solved so simply they, they go for the most you know fun way that like okay for an example there's a scene where a kid's like under a bridge and you know there's like a train that's about to fall on him there's like a million ways like these characters could have rescued this kid they go for the most epic like hilariously over the top fashion ever and it's like the coolest thing and uh man i can't i don't want to like say too much more because the plot sounds very generic if i say it out loud but it's, <laughs> like, it's not really the plot that matters it's really the story behind the plot and everything that that involves is just amazing and would you say <laughs> we can find it at Oh, you can find it on uh, Netflix. Okay, yeah, I thought I did yeah. see like the thumbnail or like the poster for it on there when I was scrolling through. So I wonder if that's if that's the format for like Bollywood movies that they have uh, musical pieces in them or not. Do you know if that's uh, ordinary for them for Bollywood films or no? 
I'm not sure, but like, you know, it's it's like funny. I don't think I've seen any Bollywood <laughs> movies besides this, but like every time I see it parodied, there's always like a musical a number. Musical so piece, I would right? probably, yeah. So I would probably <laughs> assume so. Well, I'll definitely have to learn a little bit more about that. But um, th- thank you for the recommendation. RRR. Definitely go ahead and check it out on Netflix, guys, when you get a chance. Uh, a couple other honorable mentions. Uh, Stuart, I know I did a video uh, in regards to it this week, but um, we wind up having ourselves our very first teaser trailer for the upcoming Wednesday Adam series over on Netflix. Uh, we did talk a little bit about it earlier on this week when I dropped my reaction video for it. Um, but I-, I wanted to go ahead and pick your brain to see if not only did you get the chance to check out the Wednesday trailer, um, but what are some of your first impressions for it? Um, I actually really liked uh, what I saw it very much. It was uh, similar to what I was expecting, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because I was expecting it to be uh, pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, I got to say, uh, Luis uh, Gomez as uh, as uh, Adams as uh, the dad. Uh, I think that is probably one of the best casting choices ever. Because <laughs> like the moment I saw him, I'm like, oh my god, it looks straight from the uh, you know comic book strip. So I love that. Uh, I love how dark and twisted that it, it seems like the show is not afraid to be. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Lemmy Snicket's uh, series of unfortunate events series that we had on Netflix a little bit ago. Oh, uh, you're muted. I think. Now, I think that's a great comparison. The um, the Evermore Academy, especially too. Uh, I really love the aesthetics of this series. You can definitely feel the Tim Burtonness of it, <laughs> certainly coming through the screen. Yeah, uh, and it looked like it's going to be pretty pretty fun. Like when the trailer first starts, I thought that the concept of having Wednesday in school. I thought that was going to be it. Like her around a bunch of jocks and uh, you know, a, you know, just just classic high schoolers. You know what I mean? Um, so to kind of see that switch up and to see that, you know, she's tried that schooling system for some time and she just doesn't fit very well. And now she winds up getting put into Evermore Academy. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with her being at this particular school because I have a feeling she's not the only weird kid that we're going to the weird and odd child that we're going to get a chance to meet in here. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's weird. So I'm seeing some comments saying that we aren't live on YouTube, but I'm looking and it looks like we are so. I wonder if we had like an issue when we started the uh, show or something. Yeah, maybe it's uh, started a little bit late on uh, YouTube. I wonder if the stream, because I am showing that we've got like five viewers right now, four through YouTube. So the YouTube seemingly is working. And you said you're, you're checking it out on YouTube too? Yeah, now it seems That's to be fine. working. But like there were like a couple of comments earlier saying uh, we were live on Facebook and uh, Twitch, but not on uh, YouTube. It might have been the algorithm. It might have just been YouTube messing up a little bit uh, in regards to that. But, you know, it's it's YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, very but, possible. <laughs> yeah. So I do apologize about that, guys. But, yeah, I think everything is is uh, is ready now. But uh, but yeah, man, I think uh, Luis Guzman is a, a great choice as uh, Gomez. Catherine Zeta-Jones as uh, Morticia. Um, going to be a great series, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, outside of that, when it comes to um, honorable mentions, Cobra Kai also. Cobra Kai Season 5 wind up dropping a brand new trailer here this week. Um, you said it, it debuts when? September 9th? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're just several weeks away uh, for it to drop. And I'm surprised that when it comes to the, the trailer itself, you know, we talked about some of the photos last weekend where we got to see, was it Matt Barnes, his, uh, his return but I don't see him anywhere in this trailer. Uh, and so I really appreciate the fact that they've managed to kind of keep him 
hidden and secret a little bit, or at least in regards to his impact. But it seems as though Cobra Kai is uh, is building up and bringing in some new teachers, uh, if you will, to kind of help these kids. And you got to think that's where Matt Barnes certainly fits in here. What did you think about the newest trailer that we wind up getting? Uh, yeah, I, I freaking loved it kind of, uh, like I was expecting. Cause of course it's Cobra Kai and, uh, I love that, uh, every plot thread from the previous season seems to still be going, uh, you know, even with the uh, sensei, I kind of figured like we weren't going to see much of him with him being in prison, but no, it looks like he's going to have his own like arc oh, going on yeah. with him in prison. So I love that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm also, even though we didn't see him in the trailer, I'm really hoping we get kind of uh, get Barnes versus Johnny because uh, I don't because, yes. yeah, those two characters have never met never, before. Yeah, never. So it would be kind of interesting seeing, you know, a bully that, you know, uh, Danny kind of faces a kid, but it was a regular bully facing off against like an actual like terrible like, you know, person that's just, you know, straight up beat the crap out of Danny. You can't even call it like a school like kid fight at all. It's just straight up abuse. So it's like it's going to see kind of it's going to be kind of cool to see that different dynamics, you know. Uh, yeah, no. like the two uh, previous antagonists. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I, I used to think maybe as a kid, like I always wondered if if Johnny and Matt knew each other. But then, you know, I'm sure there's a pretty big, significant age difference maybe between the two of them. Um, but I always kept thinking to myself, like, I wonder if both these bullies just knew each other growing up in school or something. Um, but I will say this, you know, this season does feel a lot, a lot more intense for sure. Uh, the intensity is definitely ratcheted up. Like even for me, seeing Ralph Macchio as Daniel, I feel like they've been doing this over the past couple of seasons but it does feel like they're pushing i don't want to say pushing him more and more to the edge but it seems as though daniel's getting pretty intense uh in how he's handling the cobra kai people and with seeing cobra kai bring in a bunch of teachers and seeing daniel kind of have his own uh, group of teachers that he's kind of putting together you know Stuart, there's a question in the back of my head if there's anybody else out there that knows the teachings of miyagi Where's Hillary Swank? I need to see her in this season. I wonder if she's going to come come at some point in time and be like a fourth or fifth edition uh, as a teacher to Miyagi Dojo to kind of help um, Daniel sunning them out. I have no idea, but uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for Hillary Swank to pop up. Yeah, I really hope so. I feel like it's not going to happen because if it was, I uh, think they would have announced it by now. But I'm still hopeful like that. It, it is still a possibility. You know, keep, keep my fingers crossed. I feel like, you know, something, Stuart. Do you know uh, more than you're letting on? No, if I if no. I knew more, you think I could keep it a secret? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, all right. Uh, and then with that honorable mention out of the way, one more for you guys today as uh, it is Power Morphicon week uh, starting. Well, starting as of well, I guess today's technically Sunday is usually the beginning of the week. So I guess this is technically Power Morphicon week. Um, but, um, you know, with Stuart headed out to Power Morphicon, when do you leave, by the way? Uh, I think we're going to head out uh, Thursday as soon as I uh, or as soon as my girlfriend finishes her uh, shift. I'm okay. just going to kind of pick her up from the hospital. and We're going to take off. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so to commemorate, uh, we want to go ahead and have some more Power Ranger talk for you guys today. As uh, Dino Fury Season 2, we got more episode descriptions, Stuart. Good old the A-Games 10 uh, wind up hitting us up with uh, episode 13 and 14 description here. Um, it says, hey, 
TV Passport. You updated too early, man. Things are going to heat up in the second half. Indeed, TV Passport has the episode titles, descriptions of season two, episode 14 through 15. Even tagged us in it uh, as we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about these. Uh, I don't know. Can you read those? Okay, Stuart. I don't know if you can read those or not. Uh, maybe uh, if I try zooming in on my computer. Uh, if not, it's okay. We also got this one. Here we go. Um, so uh, episode fourteen. So remember, the past two episodes have been very um, Emily uh, Amelia centric, if you will. Um, episode thirteen even mentions the Lord Zed name drop, and here we go into episode number fourteen. Rafcon revealed Stuart Rafcon revealed is the title for episode 14 the ranger teens head to Rafcon to stop Lord Zed but because of a prophecy Ion takes unnecessary risks um, this is heating up bro this is definitely <laughs> heating up if we've got Lord Zed seemingly if they got to head to Rafcon to stop Lord Zed do you think that means Lord Zed has found Rafcon or, or they're headed to Rafcon in order to maybe Un, you know, tap into some brand new powers and ability in order to stop Lord Zed. How are you reading this episode description? I think they know that Lord Zed is heading there because of the prophecy. So it seems like they're in like kind of a race to get there before him. Oh, that or he's already there. And like you said, he found like a uh, power source and they're trying to stop him before he uses it. Man, um, that sounds incredibly intense. <laughs> I cannot yes. wait to kind of see that. And hopefully this will probably help us finally be revealed in regards to the faith of the fate of Rafcon. What truly happened to the planet? Is it truly still is it just invisible? I, I always think of it as like Harry Potter's invisible cloak. I just think like it's just been it's where it's exactly where it's at, but it's maybe some sort of device keeping it invisible. We'll see if the planet has in fact moved, but this definitely feels like a very intense episode. Uh and I do hope it has that sort of race against time sort of feel like you mentioned Stuart. so we'll see but uh episode 14 sounds like a banger so far episode 15 morphine master is the title of the episode number 15 the other morphine masters are angry to discover the green morphine master has broken their vow to in never intervene in mortal affairs but when the rangers and the green morphine master work together the morphine masters have a change of heart what is happening Ooh, Stuart? this what is going damn, on this is like going heavily like deep into lore like in ways i didn't expect this is cool morphine master green has gone rogue apparently um yeah. and we we've seen that already if you will um in the episode when he uh, uh, revives i should say when she revives um um dino fury gold uh making an exact reference in the sense of like hey we need you to help us stop lord zed if you will so green morphing master is the one that awoken ion um but i guess we were maybe already under the impression that maybe the other morphing masters knew about that um but apparently here green morphing master has gone rogue is working with the rangers and eventually the morphing masters do have a change of heart and maybe come around to the idea so a team up with Morphe Masters and Dino Fury. If that's going to happen, I don't even know. That's just me making speculation. I love Ooh. the sound of it, man. Talk about intense. Four episodes into the second part, and they're hitting it on all cylinders right now, Stuart. I feel like. So uh, I don't know if you remember, but you know how there was like kind of a rumored like uh, um, 
like uh, notes about what's going to happen in the second half of uh, the season. And one of them was that the original Mighty Morphin team would be in it, but it would only be the suits. It wouldn't actually be the team. Mm-hmm. They could do that with the Morphin Masters. Like maybe like, uh, because in the comics, definitely correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they like kind of constantly change their form? Like uh, from like one Ranger suit to another? Or is, am I thinking of I like... Think- I think those are the emissaries. Oh, those are the emissaries. Those are the emissaries. Yeah, yeah. I like where your head was going, though, there for a second. But who knows? Maybe that's something that um, Simon Bennett introduces that they can do here. Uh, Who certainly knows? Because, yeah, it would be kind of interesting if the Morphin Masters uh, ended up, like, changing suits. And one of the suits was the original Mighty Morphin Power Ranger suits. That would be pretty epic, man. That would be pretty epic. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm loving these episode descriptions so far. Uh, and, again, I, I mentioned this last weekend. It it definitely has that same vibe and flair of Beast Morphers Season 2, the second part, where it was, like, no more le- – no more lessons of the day. Uh, well, I'm sure there probably were some lessons of the day in there. But the idea of the storyline just being just a, a direct shot to the finale. And while they never really did the to be continued sort of aspect, you, they always did a great job of leading each episode sort of into the next. So it all felt like it was uh, all connected in regards to the last push towards the finale. And I think the same thing is going to be happening here when it comes to uh, when it comes to Dino Fury season two. Uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing from episode 14 and 15. And this is just the episode descriptions. Like I wonder like what other uh, meatiness to the storyline is behind these very vague um, episode descriptions. So I I think these are definitely two episodes to keep an eye out for. For sure. Um, So I'm assuming that even come episode 15, Lord Zed is still not dealt with. Uh, cause it seems as though they definitely need the help of the morphing masters to do so. So, um, yeah, man, he's going to continue to have a prevalent role, uh, in season two. Um, so I cannot wait and, uh, shout out to the a games 10 for the great episode descriptions, man. So thank you very much for, uh, for uh, hooking us up with those but great stuff, man. Great stuff. But, um, outside of honorable mention, Stuart, I think it's time for us to get into some main topics. You ready to tackle these with me guys? Let's do it. Well, before we do, let me go ahead and give some uh, shout outs to some people that are here in the live chat with us. Good old Gabriel in the house. Good old Nicole Robertson certainly coming through. Enrique Perez is certainly here. He says, hey, Adam, Power Rangers week. Power week is beginning tomorrow. And Power Morphicon is just days away. I can't wait for it. Neither can we, man. I'm hoping we get some big announcements. I definitely will be keeping my ears very close to Twitter this week. Uh, and if we have any big announcements, guys, we definitely will be dropping videos for you guys. Uh, we also got good old Blossom in the house. The Nerd Fanatic. What's up, Adam? It's game day. Uh, house of the Dragon premieres tonight. Speaking of game day, Stuart, when you get back from Power Morphicon, since we're not going to have an episode of A-plus Hero Report next week, um, I think by the time we get back, we might have to move our scheduled time for Hero Report because it's football season. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But uh, yeah, House of Dragon is tonight. I'm certainly pumped. I don't know what time it premieres, though, guys. So let me know. Uh, good old Michael Rhymes is in the house with us. Dino Knights fight for your rights. I'm assuming that's AJ uh, certainly coming through. Um, you guys are love. Hey, thank you, Kurt. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I think that I, maybe he means you guys are live. I think that's probably what he meant. But hey, I'll take it too. good old Detilla in the house watching us both on uh, here and Twitch. So thank you very much for the double support. Good old Lauren Snyder in the house. What's up, Snyder? 
Uh, good to see you, man. We got uh, who else? We got Jericho in the house as well. He says, I was surprised Mike Barnes wasn't in the new trailer. Do you think he will be a good guy now or he learned from his mistakes and become a true good sensei? What do you think, Stuart? Uh, from the photos I've seen, I highly doubt it. Yeah, I think he's going to yeah. still be an asshole. But it we'll looks see. like he's ready to kick someone's ass for no reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just absolutely. for looking at him wrong. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Uh, good old Marcelino Vasquez. I'm, I much prefer if Lord Zed was finished off in the middle and not in the main uh, and not be the main villain for Dino Fury. Um, who knows? I, I'm not sure how that's going to play itself out. How many, how many episodes we have in total? Like 21? About 21 episodes? Maybe 20 episodes? I can never remember. But um, so what? That's episode 15. I could see them maybe taking him down by, say, episode 17 and then having the rest of this season be devoted to Void Knight, uh, Void King and Void Queen. What do you think, Stuart? Uh, very possible. Although if they don't end up killing Lord Zed off in uh, this season, then we better see him in season 30. <laughs> if, if that's like how they decide to play it, if they just kind of like bring him back for a few episodes and then we never see him again. I'm going to be a little bit annoyed. Yeah. I hope we, um, if, if he does survive this season, I definitely hope that we get the opportunity to see him in the uh, upcoming 30th anniversary for sure. I do think he would be a great foil for sort of that last hurrah of power rangers but we'll see we'll see how it turns out but uh stewart now is time to go ahead and get into our main topic you ready to go awesome. ahead and jump into this with me always all right uh first topic guys we're going to play with some mcu storylines here uh as secret invasion the upcoming disney plus series uh continues to film if it hasn't wrapped filming already uh it definitely will be here rather soon um I, they just talked about it recently at the um, um san diego comic-con uh, actually revealed to us a brand new logo for them samuel l jackson's gonna be there um we got the actress that's playing maria hill do you remember her name off the top of your head Stuart? i'm drawing the blank um uh, but good old uh, robin from how i met your mother <laughs> yeah yes her. That, that's she's her real name right that's <laughs> her real name robin yeah uh she's gonna be in here once again as maria hill um along with amelia clark but there's definitely been a ton of secrets surrounding Amelia Clark's character and honestly Stuart I'm ready for Amelia Clark to get another win in her career I feel like after her time on Game of Thrones the wind hasn't necessarily been in her sails in regards to great opportunities that have kind of opened up for her to really make a, another name for herself I feel like we really just remember her as um, uh, from uh, Game of Thrones if you will um, wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of her in Terminator I know she was even in like a a, a, a Christmas love story on Netflix a few years ago, I believe. Um, so I am really ready for Amelia Clark. We even saw her in the solo film also. So I am really ready for Amelia Clark to find another um, avenue, uh, another franchise to attach herself to, uh, to really gain that uh, popularity that she certainly did have from Game of Thrones. And maybe this is certainly it, Stuart, when it comes to Secret Invasion. There's a lot of secrecy certainly surrounding this particular series, but this week we might actually have some details in regards to who Amelia Clark will be playing for this upcoming show. So let's go ahead and dive into this, Stuart, uh, as this article, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think we originally found it from comicbookresources.com, uh, but their main 
source actually comes to us from the direct.com saying Amelia Clark's mystery Marvel character has reportedly been revealed. So let's see exactly what they're talking about here. Uh, it says Clark has already made quite an impression on her Secret Invasion co-stars with uh, MCU veteran Samuel L. Jackson offering immense praise for the presence she has brought to the set. But even considering how much anticipation has built to see Clark join the MCU, fans are still in the dark with regard to who she will even play in Phase 5's first Disney Plus series. It says insider uh, Daniel Richman revealed on his Patreon account that Amelia Clark will play a well-known scroll from Marvel Comics named uh, Gia in Secret Invasion, which premieres on uh, Disney Plus next spring. This report initially came online in late July, around the time when Marvel Studios took the stage at San Diego Comic-Con. So this is the, the character, the scroll character, that they're assuming that she's going to be playing in here, Gia. So you can see her human counterpart here uh, and her actual scroll form uh, once she is, in fact, revealed. So, like, for me, I am kind of curious to see, like, what is she a branch of government Um here in the U.S. government, how long has she been on the planet? Uh, that I am kind of curious to know. Uh, it says while Clark hasn't been seen in her um, her her full scroll look, a set video captured some exciting action for the former Game of Thrones headliner. The actress is seen on the ground with an actor in mocap suit choking her out, which could potentially force her character to reveal her true scroll. Uh, scroll form in the final footage so is clark's marvel character good or evil it says while guy initially helped the scrolls with their invasion of other planets she would eventually switch sides after seeing the pure brutality that her people were willing to use in order to accomplish their goals. This could play out in a similar fashion for the MCU as well, with Amelia Clark's version of the character gravitating towards Nick Fury and Talos as things uh, get more intense during the events on Earth. Um, so yeah, so those are some potential ideas as to who she could be playing and the direction that her character certainly might go. Um so let's go ahead and jump into this here, Stuart. Uh, what are some of your thoughts? I, I will say this. I will. I do want to ask you the question. Have you read the Secret Invasion storyline from the comics? Uh, and if not, or if so, um, how good of a role or how good of a part do you think Amelia Clark has here as this uh, Gaia character or Gia character, perhaps? Uh, I have not read the comic books, but I'd imagine if you get Amelia Clark in this movie, uh, she's probably going to be playing a big role. In fact, um, I wouldn't be surprised if she actually was uh, kind of uh, playing like side by side with Nick Fury, basically, if she was the one who kind of warned Nick Fury about the secret invasion to begin with, since he's the one who seems mm. the uh, closest with the scrolls. Mm, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I, I, there is a part of me that does wonder. I kind of hope that they go the route that they mentioned in here of, um, her maybe being on the bad side. If the image that they were talking about is true, I kind of like that idea of maybe forcing her to herself when she's actually kind of been busted. Um, that would be pretty interesting. I'm still kind of waiting to see with this being a six parter. If they're going to reveal that maybe one of the characters that we've known in the MCU being a scroll for a really long time also. Like, I do wonder if there's a superhero out there that they can um, really pinpoint and say this person is a scroll. I, I, you know, that for me, 
when I watch Secret Invasion or maybe even leading up to the Secret Invasion comic book storyline, the reveal of Elektra as a scroll was pretty mind-blowing because it then then made you beg and ask the question, well, how long has she been a scroll, right? Like what event took place that maybe she kind of got herself switched out on? And so this is going to be a little bit of a mini-series here. And I like the way that they refer to it as a mini-series. Like I feel like there are certainly – it could be listed as a limited series if they wanted to, a, re a regular series if they wanted to. But they said mini-series. And for me that makes me feel like this is very much uh an event series like an event i don't want to say an event film but definitely more of an event series than just your traditional hey here's a new origin story of a brand new character sort of thing right so uh, i do have some really high hopes when it comes to secret invasion that they take itself uh extremely seriously uh and i'm really hoping that amelia clark is playing a very substantial character not just from the scroll point of view but also from um, a sort of a U.S. government point of view. How much power has Amelia Clark, uh, as her human form character, ha has truly had? So I'm hoping that she is playing a significant part and not just like some some bystander scroll that was brought into this and now she sort of had a change of heart. I, I hope that this uh, Gia character um, definitely is uh, either I mean, has a, a much bigger role in the government than you know lonely assistant you know what i mean so i'm hoping that's mm -hmm. the route that they that they kind of go but um i hope she does great in this man i really do if uh if you were to suspect any mcu characters currently of being a scroll uh any on your mind right now off the top oh, of your head god maybe a while back i would have said um roadie don Cheadle, uh, just because of the fact that he at one point was uh uh uh, what's your man movie? Um, yeah. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, sorry, you kind of like froze there for a minute, so I didn't hear a word you said. I'm trying to remember who played Rhodey in the first Captain America movie. Oh, it's funny you asked that because right here. <laughs> yeah, Terrence Howard. That's exactly what I would. You said, what if the scrolls is a war machine? That's that's where I, exactly what I was going to. It was uh, for me personally, Don Cheadle makes a lot of sense just because of the Terrence Howard. And then when we see him again, he's fucking Don Cheadle. Uh, so I think that would be pretty funny to go ahead and play up. But I think he might have still a, a significant role in Armor Wars, maybe even the Ironheart series. So I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on that. But he would be my first uh, to to think about. Um, I mean, maybe you could even say Black Widow if good old Scarlett Johansson wants to return. I think you could die in Infinity War. And when she died, we didn't see her transform back into a scroll form. So True. I don't know if that's off the table. Do you have anybody in mind? Um, I'm thinking I got I got two. Uh General Ross, but I don't know if they're gonna be able to do that because unfortunately the actor uh, passed yes. away. So but he would have been probably my biggest guess. My next big guess is I'm gonna go with uh the Nick Fury that we see at the very end of uh, Spider-Man uh, Far and, From Home. And uh, even though, 
yeah, the one in space. Even though they try to say that this is the actual Nick Fury, the one we saw before was a scroll. I'm I'm kind of thinking that one also could be a, a scroll as well, and that the n- real Nick Fury is like imprisoned by the scrolls somewhere, or at least by like the evil scrolls. Because I, I do still think you're gonna have scrolls that don't want to invade Earth and like actually want to like you know live among the Earthlings peacefully. But uh, you know, I feel like the evil ones are going to be the ones that took Nick Fury and replaced him. And if you need a if you need a moment in time, I think the faking his death at the end of Winter Soldier might be a good one too. Uh, um, uh, I think that might be a good choice in regards to like if there was a play, time in the MCU where it's like where could that switch have happened? Um, you know, even though that they, um, I think they he clearly survived at the end of Winter Soldier, but he was on the hospital bed. You know what I'm saying? Anything could have certainly have happened. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they switched out with him there. I don't know, but uh, some good, uh, some good options there, Stuart, for sure. Um, yeah. the, the million dollar question is Daisy Johnson in this good old quake. Is she popping up in secret invasion? Hope so. Um, uh... Like I said, I feel like if there is ever a show to give uh, Agents of Shields fans uh, some good fan service, this is the one to do it with. So I am, I am optimistic that even if Daisy Johnson isn't in the show, you're going to have some kind of callback to Agents of Shield in this series. Um, I, I think she's in it, man. I think she's in it. Um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, maybe this is I. I you know, as as hard of a time as I give Agents of Shield fans, there is a part of me that really wants them to get a W here. I really want mm-hmm. them to get a win. Finally, uh, they've been bringing back other aspects of things, even if they've been ashamed of it. I mean, at least Black Bolt got a couple minutes in Doctor Strange before they blew his brains out, and so um, I think that shows you how they felt about their Inhumans show. So I do think that there is at least hope that. Um, something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can finally get some representation in the MCU. So I do hope that that, in fact, does happen. So we'll see. We'll see. It's kind of funny to think about. The uh, Inhumans has more direct connections to the MCU, uh, MCU <laughs> at this point than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, I do wonder if like they can utilize the idea of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being from another multiverse um you know for all we know maybe nick fury has known about the multiverse for quite some time longer than most people have been aware of it Uh, maybe one of his sleeper agents is quake and he's had her you know had her hanging out in that timeline in that universe uh until he's been ready to maybe bring her back when he absolutely needs to i think that would be something that he could really work out like if you if this is a character that's so powerful you don't want necessarily the scrolls to find her ever that would be a really great place to hide her. You know what I'm saying? In a completely different dimension or a different multiverse. Um, so I, I do think that there's a reality that we're living in these days, especially with the introduction to the multiverse, that Daisy Johnson could uh, have a have a, have a role. But maybe that's just me being super, super hopeful for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans who want uh, good old Chloe Bennett in there. But uh, I hope it happens. Yeah, same here. Um, but we'll definitely see. But uh, yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Amelia Clark playing Gia. For a second, I thought maybe they would have her as somebody like the queen of the scrolls uh, based off of her previous roles. But maybe they don't necessarily want to typecast her as you can only be royalty in anything that you do. You know what I mean, Stuart? <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, you did a good job at uh, being the queen in Game of Thrones. All right. But now we're giving you something very different. Did um yeah I know you mentioned the gentleman that played General Ross passed away. Did he pass away before filming for this began? He's been how long um, has he been passed? Has it been gone for? Do you know? I'm not sure actually. I, I it happened I think about a 
couple months ago, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not too sure. I wonder if it, it would be cool if, like, if General Ross isn't around anymore, if Amelia Clark's character is maybe the ne- the next person up to kind of take his place, uh, and maybe she has uh, that big role in the government. So I, I am hoping that she's got a, a very big position in this movie when it comes to her true form and even in her her or her human form and her true scroll form. I don't know. I think uh, the General Ross kind of role, I think it's going to be going to that uh, one lady from uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the one that kind of recruited the U.S. agent uh, towards the end of the series. I feel like she's going to kind of become the new General Ross. Maybe, maybe she paint, maybe she puts herself in that position with something like the the Thunderbolts movie uh, upcoming. Um, so yeah, maybe that's uh, what they have planned for her. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely see, guys. But uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, you hear who Amelia uh, Clark could potentially be? Um, how would you like to see her character certainly revealed? And how big of a role do you think she's certainly going to have in this particular series? If Samuel L. Jackson is definitely praising her, uh, I really hope that they were certainly able to get the most out of Amelia Clark's performance. Uh, in here as well but definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below uh and Stuart, with that out of the way we will go ahead and uh make our way over to the world of dc ladies and gentlemen as uh dc movie news is back in the uh is back on the list here this week and another Ezra Miller story because like a soap opera uh, Ezra Miller continues to pop back up in the news uh, with more information in regards to what his potential future could certainly be like and Stuart you know we talked last weekend uh, that when it comes to Warner Brothers Discovery they really had sort of three options that they can certainly go if they wanted to Uh, they could easily scrap the film if they definitely wanted to Uh, they could if they wanted to if Ezra Miller didn't switch up or get his stuff straight you know just um continue to release the film uh with just ezra miller not doing any press tour whatsoever just being very hush hush about ezra miller that was the second option and one option Stuart, that a lot of us just glanced over and was like no way is this option happening was hey maybe ezra miller goes and gets himself some professional help his mom came out and said yes we are seeking some professional help for him and if he can keep his nose clean then they probably might go ahead and do a press tour next year this movie might in fact wind up still releasing uh next june also uh option three was very much the sunshine and rainbows everything is certainly back to normal and we kind of dismissed it and this week, Stuart, apparently Ezra Miller is going to get some treatment here. Uh, clearly not solving the entire problem of everything that Ezra Miller has currently done, but it is at least one tiny step into the right direction here as uh, Variety is reporting that the Flash star Ezra Miller is seeking treatment for complex mental health Issues. I mean, we've definitely been saying there's certain something much bigger going on with Ezra Miller at this point, uh, and uh, this possibly could be it. So let's go ahead and dive into this uh, 
Stewart because it says the Flash star Ezra Miller says that they are seeking treatment for complex mental health issues. In a statement provided to Variety by a representative of the actor, Miller broke their silence about the troubling behavior that they have exhibited in recent years, which has led to a series of legal issues and assault and abuse allegations. Miller also apologized for those actions. Having recently gone uh, through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I am suffering complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment. I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I am committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe, and productive stage life in a stage in my life. The embattled actor who is non-binary and uses they and them pronouns placed the DC characters uh, Barry Allen in a 2017 Justice League and its counterpart in the Zack Snyder's version. But their role in the comic book franchise has been overshadowed by their off-screen behavior, which has alarmed friends and associates of the actor, as well as Warner Brothers, the studio behind The Flash. Um, yeah, man, I mean, the list goes on and on um, charged with felony burglary recently in Vermont uh, after the police state investigated an incident involving several bottles of alcohol being taken from a residence. Um, uh, the actor made headlines when in a 2020 after a recording surface in which they appeared to have choked a woman outside of a bar in Iceland. The actor has been arrested twice in Hawaii this year for disorderly conduct and harassment in the Hawaii incidents. Uh, he did plead, plead no contest. So a single count of misdemeanor disorderly conduct, uh, the harassment charge was eventually dismissed. Uh, I mean, there have been allegations of him also like, um, 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 grooming uh, very young women also um, parents of these uh, girls coming out talking about that you know he's been grooming them since a very early age of like 12 and 14 now I think they are at least 18 of legal age if you will but uh, a lot of um, just really disgusting and just terrible um, you know news and information kind of coming out from Ezra Miller that's alleged as of right now I don't believe he's been to uh, court or faced um, justice in, in in that regards uh, to them um, sitting him down and figuring out whether he's guilty or innocent but uh, it's never a good look Stuart never a good look here um, but it seems as though Ezra Miller has taken the first step at least in regards to trying to get some help uh, I am curious uh, I do want to go to you first here do you feel like this is Hey, um, do you think Ezra Miller is truly trying to get help? Is there a part of you that feels like this is your normal sort of um, damage control representative just putting out a statement to try and smooth things over? Or do you think he's really trying to get some sort of help here? What are your thoughts in regards to this? Uh, it's a bit too early to say, if I'm being honest, like, uh, I do want to believe that they are trying to do what's best for them. And also I want to believe that, you know, Warner brothers is going to try and make sure something like this doesn't happen again with any actors. But, uh, the issue is that the statement that they gave was an incredibly generic statement and it, and it's like, and it doesn't really, um, I feel like every time like you know there's a big controversy around an actor that's kind of what happens you get like a statement that whether or not it's genuine it's still going to look the same as if it wasn't genuine so it's really hard to uh say where they're at currently if they do actually have remorse for everything that's been going on or if they're just saying what warner brothers is making them say and then you know getting help because you know 
it's mandated and not because like uh, they actually want to seek help. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a little too early to say, but I would, you know, I mentioned last week that this is the option that like kind of a part of me was hoping they would go with only because I really do want some insight as to what the hell is going on with this person's mind. You know what I mean? Uh, so you know, we'll see more as it goes along. But as of now, uh, my opinions of Ezra Miller has not changed at all. I'm kind of just thinking, okay, cool. At least now that they're getting help, hopefully less people will be getting hurt, uh, you know, from that. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully they don't go around and start harassing other people and trying to, you know, start fights at bars for no reason. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, definitely still very too early to, to really tell. Um, doesn't really change my opinion on Ezra whatsoever. I, I would agree with you there, but I am at least happy um, that uh, if this is true and he is getting help, uh, at least he's doing that part. You know, I do tend to believe that he is going to be trying to get some help. And I only say that just because the report last week mentioned that it, it was his mom that came out and mentioned that we were trying to trying to seek some help from for him it wasn't necessarily ezra or a representative commenting it was his mom um so now that we are at this point and ezra is coming out with this statement that he's kind of going it does make me feel like there are some things in movement to certainly go ahead and get him some help there's definitely a lot of time until june winds up uh dropping here when uh flash or the, the upcoming flash movie uh hits i still think Stewart, despite this if this does turn out to be true that he's getting help i, I still think that his time as the flash is done oh I, yeah I, no. yeah I, I i do think that warner Bros. discovery has already kind of made that decision i don't know if they've made the decision as to who will replace him but i do think that uh they they he's just still too much of a liability i think going forward in the future to rely a 200 million dollar movie uh, on uh, at all because of the fact that you know even though this movie is um uh, a year away uh, it, it could certainly have been even worse, you know what I mean? Uh, and and I think you're right. I mean, I am hoping that this does put an end to the idea of people being hurt, people being taken advantage of, families being crushed sort of thing. I, I do hope that this allows Ezra to get his head back on straight a little bit um, and, and really figure things out for himself so that when the movie releases sometime next year, maybe he's just in a much better place mentally. And I'm hoping by that time we definitely have some more insight, not only in regards to like why Ezra did the things that he did, but maybe also some clarifications on some of the 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 um, allegations that are certainly against him right now you know if he's if he's open to um, making amends and fixing himself you know maybe he's uh, maybe part of that working and making amends is coming out and just being truthful about the situations that he certainly has found himself in you know what i mean and so i do hope that we get a little bit more detail in regards to that but this is certainly a great first step uh but certainly a lot of legal issues and trouble still headed ezra miller's way um and uh something that he should certainly be held accountable for regardless of the struggles that he's uh certainly dealing with but um we'll definitely keep you guys posted um in regards to this but yeah I, i'm very much still under the impression Stuart, that he is he's done as the flash i can't imagine i can't imagine this one little apology if you will <laughs> being enough for warner brothers to be like all right we're good now you know what i mean I don't think any apology would be good enough for like uh, Warner Brothers should be like, okay, you know what? You can be back to being the Flash at this point. It's like, no, uh, like great that they're getting help, but uh, you know, 
con- actions have consequences, you know, that's how the world works. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I definitely didn't think it was going to be option one, but it definitely is uh, trending that way. I'm sure David Zaslav is probably breathing somewhat of a sigh of relief um, that maybe things are going to be going back to normal when it comes to this Ezra Miller guy. Um, but we'll definitely keep our fingers crossed. So good luck to Ezra. Uh, with his uh, mental issues and any of his um, legal troubles that certainly await. So we'll definitely see how that turns out. But guys, let us know your thoughts. How do you feel about the idea of Ezra Miller apologizing? Um, Do you think this is uh, a good step for him? Do you think we still find ourselves in the same place that we were certainly in before? Um, Definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Uh, and speaking of DC characters, Stuart, we're going to go ahead and continue to stick in this particular realm. We're going to move to the TV side of things, uh, especially to a show that I know you're a huge fan of, Stuart. Uh, you definitely went ahead and tackled uh, season one for us here as part of our reviews for Superman and Lois. Uh, and we're very getting very close to a season three. But uh, it seems as though, Stuart, one star from Superman and Lois will not be returning despite having a pretty significant role, not only in this season, um, but also seemingly next season. Also, I honestly did not see this happening whatsoever, Stuart, but it seems as though uh, Jordan uh, Elsass, who in fact plays, he plays Jonathan, doesn't he? Uh, Yep. Right. Okay. I was thinking. I was. Which is why Jordan was. Yeah. yeah, It just totally got me confused there. Uh, But good old Jonathan actually will not be returning next season, Stuart. This actually um, really came as a surprise to me. This comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Jordan Elsass exiting Superman and Lois ahead of season three. Role of Jonathan Kent is set to be recast, according to them. Um. It says Jonathan Kent is going to look a lot different when Superman and Lois returns for season three. Jordan Elsass, uh, who also played one of Clark Kent's uh, teen sons on the CW superhero drama since the series premiere, is exiting the show after two seasons, EW has confirmed. His role will be recast. Uh, This is what they say. Uh, Jordan Elsass has notified the studio that he will not be returning for season three due to personal reasons. The role of Jonathan Kent will be recast. Um, it says uh, Warner Brothers TV made in a statement on Tuesday. Over the situation, Elsass uh, exit was the result of a private matter and not a working place related issue. Um, EW recently spoke with the showrunner about his plans to bring Jonathan Kent more into the central focus in see happen with a different actor in the role this is what he said we certainly want to fold jonathan more into the superhero stories what clark says to him about the kryptonian tech you could take that in many different ways so we'll see which road we ultimately go down i have four brothers and everybody on our staff has sort of familiar experiences so it's fun to play that brother dynamic sometimes siblings are best friends sometimes they're at odds but for the most part what we love about jordan and jonathan is that they have each other's back and they're not jealous of each other we'll continue to have that dynamic for sure in the show so while Stuart, that dynamic will continue it's definitely going to be with a completely different Jonathan Kelsas has in fact exited the series. Um, I will say this. This does come as a pretty big surprise to me. Uh, for some reason, when I think of this, the, the two actors that come to mind are um, 
uh, Keenan Lonsdale from um, The Flash when he wind up leaving for a long period of time due to some uh, private matters. Uh, and I want to say there's another actor from DC television. Oh, uh, Colton Haynes uh, from Arrow, uh, him leaving uh, when we thought that he was going to have a pretty substantial part in the uh, series kind of going forward. So whatever these private matters are, who certainly knows? I am glad that they at least clarify that it has nothing to do with the workplace. You know, that um, he's not being bullied. He's not having issues and drama and arguments with people on set sort of thing. This does feel very much like a personal and private matter. You know, I don't want to go out of my lane and try and figure out what it is. Um, I'm sure in time, Jordan Elsus will probably let us know why he left in the the first place but i feel like it's got to be significant enough to uh depart a series that's um continued to be uh on the upswing when it comes to popularity and i literally saw this man Stuart, at dallas fan expo um just a couple of months ago this past june if i'm not mistaken you know he was on uh on the panel with everybody else, Elizabeth, Tyler, and the other kid that plays Jordan. Um, so the whole family was on set talking about the upcoming season. Well, not really talking too much about the upcoming season, but their experiences on the show. And so I was very much under the impression that, hey, everybody's coming back for season three. You know, they did do a little bit of promoting for the upcoming season. You guys got to check it out. You know how they always talk about it. So um, I wonder if he knew then that he wasn't coming back uh, or if it's something that just recently popped up that he's got to uh, really handle and kind of take a step back. Um, I mean, look, mental issues, if that is the case, is definitely a struggle for everybody. Um, being a part of a huge um, show can definitely be um, tiresome, burdensome at times. Um, so I don't know what the situation is certainly going to be, but whatever it is, I definitely hope that he uh, handles it. But a very big surprise here. What did you guys think, though, uh, Stuart, uh, when you heard that he was departing the season? Anything that came to mind for you at first or your first thoughts? I was just surprised because it came from uh, out of nowhere. Uh, you know, every, everything that I had heard so far seemed like the cast and crew were all like set to get ready to start shooting season three. So to kind of get this uh, article like kind of coming out of nowhere was like a huge surprise. Um, but, you know, if you know, the reason like a lot of people are speculating that he left because of an older uh, Instagram post that he made a little bit ago is that it may have been because of like mental health issues. So mm. if that's the case, totally understandable. Do you have uh, the Instagram? Do you have it up? Um, I don't have it up currently, okay. but I can probably find it. Um, but it wasn't like the post itself. It was like kind of what he put oh. in the uh, like underneath the post. Like he had like a giant, like really long text about it. Uh, oh, but anyways, man. yeah, a lot of people are kind of speculating that that might be the uh, reason, but definitely not confirmed. But if it is, then, you know, definitely good on him. Uh, but, you know, the thing that kind of worries me is that um, this, this happened very soon, like right before they were about to start filming season three. So it's going to be an interesting challenge uh, for the showrunners to have to come up with another replacement and try to get that replacement to have the same type of chemistry that uh, he had with the uh, cast and crew. Um, I am glad they are recasting him and not trying to, you know, uh, kill him off off screen and then just have Clark Kent re replace him with a new son and then have them just constantly talk about how their old son was better for an <laughs> entire season. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's, uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, so I'm curious to see how it all uh, plays out for sure.
Yeah, man, I, I'm really interested too. Um, if it is, like I said, if it is in regards to mental health, I definitely hope that he, um, that uh, everything goes okay for him. Um, you know, I'm sure as a young guy like himself, you know, again, with the popularity, the people around him sort of thing, uh, sometimes the schedule, I'm sure, of filming and everything you got to do uh, can be really overwhelming for some people in their lives. So so everybody handles this type of situation differently. Again, I don't know exactly why, but if it is mental health issues, I definitely hope that um, uh, everything works out for Jordan for sure. Um Kurt does say, you know, I think Kanan Lonsdale, while he left The Flash due to being severely underused, even the executive producer says he didn't have much to do as a That's, character. That was what I had heard, too. Um, and I've also seen Kanan Lonsdale kind of go through a lot of significant changes in his time for himself as Wally West. Um, I feel like every time he's departed the show and come back, he's had something like new about him. So I do wonder if uh, even if he was severely, they didn't really have too much for him to do. There's a part of me that also thinks that maybe Keenan was doing a little bit of trying to find himself during that time as well. Um, and I, I loved his last appearance um, on The Flash. It's been so long since I've seen him on there, though. Um, Kurt, Reno, Kurt, Kurt Marino says, who would you guys choose to replace Jonathan Elsass in, as Jonathan Kent? Is there any uh, actors out there that you would like to see or that you know of? I'm trying to think of like former arrowverse stars or people that have worked with um warner brothers in some way on the television side of things i don't really have anybody off the top of my head though yeah it's hard to think of one because like he's a very specific age group that you don't see very often in television um or at least not in a lot of shows that i watch so it's like off the top of my head i really can't think of any um it would be cool if bradley Stephen perry uh, became the new jonathan kent Bradley, Stephen Perry. Oh, that is. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, okay. I don't definitely don't look like Jordan to me, um, at all. But uh, we'll see. I don't know if he has to look like Jordan, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see who they do pick. And you said you think that they they knew about this Stuart before he uh, before they started filming. Oh no! It, um, I feel like if they knew knew about it. Um, they wouldn't be trying to, or because you know they wouldn't be announcing that they're like trying to find someone else to replace them. I feel like that would they would have like uh, probably handed out a casting sheet uh, with a uh, you know random like stage name character, basically saying we need a character who can play this, and they give them the same character description as uh, uh, Jonathan Kent. And I'm also thinking China McLean from. Um... Black Lightning. Oh, yeah. She left the last, uh, very last season also, and she was like in the midst of like finally getting powers and her super abilities and stuff, right? And uh, she wind up departing for majority of a season with that stupid ass doppelganger storyline. I really wasn't the biggest fan yeah. of it at all, but uh, that's. Uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's what I love about uh, this article, though, is that finally it's a uh, it's a DC show where they're just moving on and just replacing the actor, you know, not like uh, dropping a whole bunch of story arcs where it's like, that was kind of what bothered me about the, how they've been handling it in the past. Like with, uh, you know, the characters on arrow, when the actors leave, they just kind of like drop their characters altogether. Uh, same with, you know, how, how they did on Batwoman and then black uh, lightning as well. Uh, so I like that. They're just kind of like going, okay, no, we're just going to replace them and keep moving. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Good old Kurt Marino does say DC seems to always have actors leaving yeah. with drama. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just don't know a lot of, um, you know, when it comes to Marvel, I don't really know a lot of shows, at least on the Marvel side, that do as much television uh, as DC. So they definitely do have a lot of people that certainly have left for their own significant reasons. And a lot of them feel like like younger, younger kids. I don't want to say kids, but like the, you know, early 20s. You know what I'm saying, type of stuff. So I do wonder if it's a, if it is sort of a mental, mental health kind of struggle thing in regards to having that level of fame and and work schedule, um, and everything that comes along with being in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dino Dino Knight says, uh, yeah, Adam, that double whammy with Jennifer coming back and fighting the recasted Jennifer becoming evil of the out of freaking nowhere. Yeah, it was just a really weird storyline for uh for her at the end but uh the season itself i thought was pretty pretty good but uh yeah guys let us know your thoughts uh departing jordan elsass good old jonathan kent is leaving superman and lois set to go ahead and be recast what are your thoughts in regards to this who would you certainly like to be the new jonathan kent let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below is thought of this though if they did want to have like kind of a story version of it you could have it be like he gets like physically replaced in the multiverse by the actor that plays uh connor kent from titans hey that would be pretty <laughs> cool that'd be pretty cool he'd be so much bigger than uh poor jonathan uh poor uh jordan though I'd oh be my like, god you're yeah. the real super boy aren't you <laughs> yeah that'd be that'd be a tough pill for uh, jordan to swallow for sure all right, guys, and with that out of the way, we are going to go ahead and make a transition over to some movie talk for you guys as we round off uh, this uh, rest of this episode with three new topics. Uh, this one coming to us in the continued storyline of the bidding war for Tomb Raider. Uh, if you guys remember, uh, we got the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider film a few years back. There were talks to certainly go ahead and do a sequel. I believe Alicia Vikander was set to go ahead and reprise her role as Laura Croft. We also had Misha Green brought in to be the writer uh, and maybe the director of the movie itself. I can't quite remember, but she was definitely on board after her fantastic time from Lovecraft Country series. She was going to go ahead and tackle a Tomb Raider movie. We thought for sure that was going to get green light and ready to go and then we have ourselves a little bit of a buyout as it seems as though mgm wind up letting the rights expire uh and now there are a lot of people bidding for the tomb raider rights to go ahead and not only make us a new tomb raider movie but Stuart also a brand new tomb raider actress uh, as we've seen angelina jolie along with alicia vikander play the role of laura croft now somebody else will certainly get that opportunity and um after we talked about this a couple of weeks ago Stuart, we now have at least maybe one person who has officially thrown their name into the hat uh and i'm kind of curious to hear what people will think about this let's go ahead and dive into this this actually comes to us from newsweek.com um as it's Seems as though good old Aubrey Plaza uh, sat down for an interview um, and said that she would love to play 
Tomb Raider. Uh, says, there have been stranger Hollywood origin stories, is what the article says. This one begins with Aubrey Plaza and her filmmaking friend Edgar Wright. When Wright saw the promotional poster for Plaza's new film, Emily the Criminal, which I do believe is on streaming services as of right now. I, I, I was going to try and watch it last night before we did this, but I didn't get the opportunity to. But I do want to see Aubrey Plaza in this new film, Emily the Criminal. Um, Edgar Wright, he mistakenly but understandably thought he was looking at a photo of his pal in costume as Laura Croft, the uh, title character from Tomb Raider, who was previously played by Angelina Jolie and Alicia Vikander. Uh, Emily, which premieres in theaters on August 12th. Oh, it's in theaters. I thought I thought I, I swore I saw it on uh, on streaming services. So maybe they did a dual um, release. Uh, it is about a woman who uh, turns her to a life in crime, uh, a life of crime in order to get out of crushing student debt. Amen. Uh, amen. I, I need to get out of some student debt also. So uh, maybe that's maybe I'll follow the path of Emily here. Um, it says, uh, it was so funny when Edgar texted me uh, that because I didn't realize how strikingly similar those photos are. This is the photo that he's talking about. Edgar Wright, when seeing the Aubrey Plaza photo, thought for a second that she was dressed up as Tomb Raider. Uh, he says, um, um, Plaza told Newsweek on August 10th, Emily is carrying a purse strap and Laura Croft has a gun holster. Those are very different. It's very weird and totally accidental, but I'll take it is what she wind up saying. Um, it does say Plaza first told the story on uh, the Tonight Show um, with uh, starring Jimmy Fallon and the host held up photos of Emily and Laura to prove just how striking the similarity is. Turns out Plaza isn't opposed to the idea. Look, I have no idea what the future holds for me, but I love it is what she told Newsmac uh, to told Newsweek. Um, it was so funny when he texted me that because I didn't realize how uh, strikingly similar those photos were. Uh, Emily is carrying a purse, yada, yada, yada. Um, but but I'll take it is what she winds up saying. She says she loves action movies uh, and I don't discriminate against big movies or small movies. I love all kinds of movies. I would love it if somehow that turned into a real thing. But who knows? I have no idea. Uh, that's an iconic character. She's the original badass. So, um, yeah, it seems as though Aubrey Plaza very much open to the idea, Stuart, of being the next Tomb Raider. Um, you know what? Listen, I, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll give Aubrey Plaza a chance. Um, I think that she's great, not only on the um, not only on the big screen, but I do think that she's absolutely hilarious. She's got a great sense of humor. Uh, I think I one of the last things I thought I saw her on was um it was like this drunken history where they like recreate historical stories and they tell it like from a point of view of like two people that are extremely drunk or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen, I've seen a few episodes of that show. Like I haven't watched it all the way through, but I do watch it every uh, now and then. And she did a great job. Um, I think they were doing the Alexander Hamilton story. She was playing somebody, and I think the gentleman that actually did the Hamilton play played Hamilton. Uh, oh, that's awesome! And they, yeah, and they were doing it drunkenly. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I, you know, I I don't recall really seeing Aubrey Plaza in much of a an action role before. I'm pretty sure she probably 
might have been in an action role or two in her time. If, if you know of any, Stuart, let me know. But off the top of my head, I can't think of any. But I do want to check her out in this new film, Emily, just because of the fact that if she is trying to a life of crime in order to go ahead and pay off like student debt, I do wonder like if there are action pieces or action sets that she's actually a part of in here to kind of show what she's certainly more than capable of. But when it comes to Aubrey Plaza, she does have a great range. I, I do think that she can do not only... Um, comedy, but definitely serious. I feel like I've seen her in some pretty serious roles. Uh, whereas when it comes to the action, I still have uh, some question marks in regards to. But um, if Aubrey Plaza believes that she can do it and uh, wants to certainly be a part of it, I have no problem in seeing Aubrey Plaza go ahead and actually get into physical shape, get into the training to go ahead and certainly get it ready. Would Aubrey Plaza be my first sort of, hey, she needs to be Tomb Raider next? Maybe not, but she definitely probably is a candidate that I would be open to keeping her on like a short list of like three or four actresses uh, if they were to go ahead and do like some a casting call. But I do think Aubrey Plaza would be a, a, a great uh, fit here. But um, again, I don't know if she would be my number one choice, but something I certainly would be open to. When you hear this, Stuart, that she's open to the idea of playing Tomb Raider and we know that we need ourselves a Tomb Raider pretty soon. How do you think Aubrey Plaza fits into all of this? Do you think that um, this might turn into something? And would she be your first choice? What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know if she would be my first choice, but definitely not my last choice. Uh, and then, yeah, like I say, I'm always into actors that are actually into the role that they want to get. So since she seems to be like really into Tomb Raider, yeah, I would be totally down to uh, see her try to uh, like uh, to see her like, um, you know, audition for it, see her take on it, uh, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I just, I haven't like, like I said, I'm not like the biggest fan of the Tomb Raider game. So it's like, I don't mm -hmm. have too much to say about it, but it's like, yeah, I do think that I could see her pulling off the role. And yeah, the photo that, that, uh, that you showed us like that Edgar Wright pointed out. Yeah, I do definitely see the resemblance. Yeah, I can definitely see it too. I, so I think she could definitely pull off the look. I think, Acting wise, she definitely has it in her. I would be interested in seeing her transformation uh, in regards to just getting ready for the physicality that is becoming Tomb Raider. But I, I do think that she's certainly more than capable just from seeing some of her past work, honestly. So uh, I love the idea. I definitely do. And we'll see if uh, there's more information to go on here. I am really curious if there's anything, Stuart. Like, I, I am kind of curious as to what um, what studio will certainly pick up Tomb Raider. Um, you know, MGM kind of, I, I think it was MGM that had it previously. Uh, I didn't mind what they did with the most recent Tomb Raider. It was enjoyable to certainly say the least, but I do think that you can certainly do a little bit more with it. Uh, maybe you can get the people from that. Whoever's doing, uh, national treasure might be a great, you know, maybe Disney might pick it up. Uh, if not Disney, um, whoever does the Mission Impossible movies, I think might be a good. Was that Paramount? Yeah. Um, um, maybe give them an opportunity, either Paramount or Universal. I can't remember who does uh, Mission Impossible, but uh, uh, Paramount does the Mission Impossible movies. Okay, so yeah, maybe maybe them. I think um, uh, we might be able to get something out of those two studios. Any particular studio that you might have in mind? 
No, I think those two would make the most sense, Paramount or or uh, Disney. I feel like those would fit their uh, brands really well. Because Disney, when it comes to video games, they they like to dip their toe in it, but they don't like to really fully commit to it. So I feel like Tomb Raider would be that perfect, uh, you know, that perfect franchise that they could use, where it's like they could dip their toe into the video game franchise, but they don't have to like really expand out through that. They could just have uh, Tomb Raider be its own thing, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you there. Um, I would even throw Lionsgate's name in the hat. I'm always a big fan of what Lionsgate Lionsgate winds up putting out, so I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe do something along those lines also. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be like streaming services bidding war. Like, does Netflix all of a sudden come up with the rights to a a Tomb Raider movie? I really have no idea. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see who will land the rights and how much they're going to end up paying for. Actually, I take back one of my answers. I don't think it'll be going to Paramount anytime soon because it looks like Paramount has uh, kind of committed itself to working with Sega and doing like games based on, or sorry, movies based on Sega games. Because I saw an article recently, I should have done this as my honorable mention, but uh, I guess uh, Comic Zone, uh, one of my favorite games as a kid is currently like, uh, like in the works for an adaptation for a movie. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, If anything, Sony, stay away. Stay away, <laughs> Sony. I don't want you to get these rights. You already have Uncharted with Tom Holland. so Yeah, you don't need uh, Tomb Raider. <laughs> you don't need Tomb Raider. You don't need Tomb Raider. But, Unless uh, the next movie is Laura Croft versus Nathan the Drake, then it's like, okay, you know what? I'm open to this. <laughs> Let's see what you do here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A little, little crossover event. I love it. Um, but yeah, guys, go ahead and let us know your thoughts. What do you think about Aubrey Plaza as a potential new Tomb Raider? Do you like her in the role? Are there other actresses that you certainly might prefer in that role? Definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Uh, and from one action star to another, uh, we're going to jump into the realm of James Bond as uh, the future of James Bond is very much in uh, up in the air currently. Uh, after we got the last Daniel Craig James Bond movie, uh, it seems as though those behind the scenes that own the rights to James Bond uh, are certainly taking their time in trying to figure out who the next star will certainly be, uh, trying to figure out the direction in which they take this particular franchise and film. Uh, so a lot of moving pieces when it comes to the world of James Bond and I think we've probably have thrown around our fair share of actors um, that some of us would certainly like to see uh, I know when it comes to the social uh, social media community uh, everybody certainly has their own suggestions from Tom Hardy to Idris Elba to uh, uh, plenty others uh, but it seems as though while we may have uh, an idea as to who we personally would like to see as James Bond um, the people that write the checks certainly might have something else in mind, Stuart. Let's go ahead and dive into this, man. This uh, next article comes to us from IGN saying that uh, while this is something we personally would like to see, they uh, might be going the younger route here, uh, Stuart. And I'm hoping that we're not talking like young Indiana Jones Chronicles type of young, but we're definitely going younger when it comes to James Bond. According to IGN, it says the next James Bond could be younger, ruling out previous favorites. Sorry, Tom Hardy and Idris Elba are out. According to Ross King, uh, the search is currently on to find the next James Bond, but producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson have already ruled out 42-year-old Sam Hugan. 
I'm not familiar with uh, Sam Hugan. Uh, the latest rumor, and in some ways, part of this is very much true, which is basically the Bond producers are looking for a younger Bond, he explained to Lorraine. Um, someone probably in their 30s. Uh, Hugan uh, is perhaps best known for Outlander, the 2014 historical drama, but also starred in the 2018 spy comedy, The Spy Who Dumped Me. Unfortunately, it sounds as though he's too old to take over from 54-year-old Daniel Craig. Of course, Craig was a lot younger when he first uh, suited up as the iconic British secret agent, starring in Casino Royale at the age of 38. But 15 years as James Bond is a long time, and with producers now looking to the future of the franchise, it's under Understandable that they would want someone who can carry the torch for some time. Uh, it says at the end of the day, they want someone who will be Bond for the next three movies, explained Ross. For the franchise, they want someone who will carry it through the same way Daniel Craig did it. Another 15-year run is a lot to expect of the next 007, but it's not impossible, especially if they're still searching at uh, at the younger end of their age range. But there's uh, apparently another stipulation. 007 will have to be tall uh the other thing that they're saying is that he has to be taller than 510 uh craig uh, himself was 510 while the other bonds were largely over six feet tall now it looks as though bond producers are looking for a taller younger bond and that counts out a lot of our early favorites um and yeah so it says tom hardy for instance now 44 years old not to mention he's nowhere near six feet meanwhile idris may fit the height requirement but comes in at 49 years old henry cavill another former favorite maybe too old for the role pushing the upper limits of the requirements at the age of 39 i don't know he might be able to get away with that Stuart. but who will be the next uh james James Bond, for now, we will certainly have to wait and see. So um, some of the requirements coming out of the Broccoli camp and the producers camp are suggesting younger and taller actors. Uh, so clearly not necessarily going the route of the 20-year-old here, Stuart, um, but definitely maybe somebody a little bit more seasoned and taller. So, yeah, some of our favorites uh, are out of the question. What are you thinking about this, though? Uh, well, uh, I may not be British and I may not have any acting experience and I may be in really terrible shape, but Hey, I'm pretty tall and I'm under 30. So why can't I be the next James Bond? <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this news was kind of surprising to me. This is definitely like a different James Bond, like just age alone, you know, different than what we've gotten in the past. Cause it feels like in the past they wanted, they've always wanted the more like uh, seasoned actors. So this is a kind of a cool, interesting new step. I also saw a comment in here that I got to point out. Cause I actually, if Tyler or Hecklin could do a good British accent, I'm not, opposed to this actually it's like the other superman was too old you're good <laughs> yeah you're, uh, you're, you're perfect but yeah you know this is uh it, it's interesting it's um it makes sense too like they probably are going to want to uh try to get like a new younger generation into uh james bond move into the new uh you know james bond movies because let's face it people who have grown up on the franchise who are old now they're still going to watch new James Bond's movies as uh, you know, as long as they continue to come out. So it makes sense that they want to go for a whole nother direction so they can capture a whole new audience, but still keep that same audience that, you know, has been there from, you know, the beginning. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, I know some people will probably push back in the sense of like, oh, well, Tom Hardy's not that old. I think they say, well, he's like 44 years old. But sometimes putting together these James Bond movies do take years, uh, especially with um, them shooting a lot on location. You know, you always got a lot of weather situations that might stop um, uh, filming from happening. We still have to deal with COVID, unfortunately. Like, I think them just trying to do the no time to die ever to go ahead and put that film together right so i mean you you probably end up wasting like five years of somebody's life just doing one movie and if you're trying to get the next 15 years out of somebody i definitely understand the idea of maybe going that route of wanting your james bond to be uh, a little bit younger you know i do wonder if we live in a, a world though Stuart, where you know maybe you can have a one-off james bond um, where it's like, hey, maybe for one movie we would like to do Idris Elba, and then the next James Bond movie we get a brand new actor. Um, I feel like I can't remember if we've had one-offs before in James Bond, or or if like there's been a like what's the the minimum there, James Bond movies an actor has ever done? Do you know? Uh technically we've had one uh, one-off James Bond movie. Uh, with uh, Sean Connery coming back as James Bond, but he plays like a different James Bond. And it's not like part of, it's basically like a very separate continuity from like the other James Bond movies. So there was that one. Um, and uh, there was also the, not the original original, but like there was in the 60s, the uh, Casino Royale, which was like kind of more of a parody of James Bond. Uh, sorry, what was the other part of the question? Oh, no, I was just wondering if they've ever had, like, what was the actor that had the shortest? Have they ever had a, a James Bond that's only done one film? I think, like, the shortest official run of a James Bond was two movies with uh, Timothy uh, Dalton. Because, or not, not wait, was it Timothy? The guy from uh, Doom Patrol. Um, yeah, Timothy Dalton. That was Timothy Dalton, yeah. Mm. I think he had the shortest run because he only had, he had License to Kill and then one before that, uh, and that was it. Which is um, too bad because he's probably my uh, favorite. I um uh, yeah I so I would be open to the idea like if Aegis Elba if they wanted to bring in Aegis Elba for like one role uh, for like one movie I would be open to that also uh, maybe give them some time to maybe then try and figure out what they want to do with the rest of the future um so I would be open to that as well but I, I understand their decide their decision to go ahead and move to a, a little bit younger now the idea of now having to now that we know what the requirements are um. Maybe we'll have to do some fantasy casting once again, Stuart, as to who our new James Bond would certainly be. I do think Henry Cavill could certainly still fit the bill. I don't know if he's – you think he's too bulky to be a James Bond, though? Slightly? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think – like, most most of the times when I think of James Bond, I'm always thinking, like, kind of lengthy because they got to be flexible. But I also know that even though Henry Cavill is uh, bulky, he's also very flexible, so it's hard to say. Yeah, we'll see what they which that which direction they go. But I'm pretty sure that this might rub some people the wrong way in regards to man. You're trying to tell me I can't get Tom Hardy or he just Elba, uh, but we'll see. Maybe they'll surprise us at the end of the day. Um, but I can understand them wanting to have somebody that can certainly stick around uh, for quite some time. I think that's definitely the smarter route, um, so you can really build the brand around them because it, it worked for Daniel Craig. I don't remember how, how many how many movies did he do four or five. Um, I loved it. I loved his run because we got. Casino, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and then No Time to Die, I believe, right? I believe those are the five films that he was in as James Bond. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I would love a lengthy run as James Bond. Yeah. Um, which one was bad for you? 
Oh, the uh, second one of his movies, uh, Quantum, oh, Quantum of Solace. Solace. Yeah, yeah I that did was not a, like that one. <laughs> that was a rough one to get through. I still have not seen. I still haven't seen Spectre or um, No Time to Die. I need to check out both of those films. Me and the girlfriend were going down a James Bond, uh, Daniel Craig James Bond marathon. Uh, we did the first three, but we haven't checked out Spectre or No Time to Die yet. So I'm definitely gonna have to do that. During, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show yet, but like during quarantine, uh, when when uh, uh, Megan and I had like nothing to do, we literally just binged every single James Bond movie in the franchise. Really? Holy yeah. crap! We went all. We even did the uh, one-off movies that weren't like uh, you know part of the franchise that were from different studios. So we did like the the uh, parody of uh, Casino Royale, and then we did the of course uh, Sean Connery like uh, you know comeback uh, movie as well. And yeah, it was a fun experience. It, it was uh it was pretty interesting it, it's cool to, it was cool to see uh how like it slowly kept getting bigger bigger and bigger mm. and then to the point of getting ridiculous and then the point where it got to that that was when they had to change you know the actor and then uh. that's when he got um uh roger moore i think that's that was his name the second actor and then kind of the same thing it's just like you know it lasted for like a movie or two where they were trying to keep him into a more serious tone but then it went back to okay now let's go over the top let's put james bond <laughs> in a clown suit again so it's really fun just watching it constantly go like i feel like every james bond movie wants to start out or every james bond uh, franchise wants to start out grounded you know very like serious in mm -hmm. tone but by the time they get to like the third or fourth movie, they always get ridiculous, you know? Yeah, always, always. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to do that. That's something I've always wanted to do, but it's always been so intimidating because there's just so many James Bond movies out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm glad. It sounds like you spent your pandemic time wisely, though, sir. So I'm glad that worked out for you. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Uh, do you guys have any suggestions for the new James Bond? Now that you kind of hear the criteria that they certainly might be going for taller than 5'10", um, younger than 38, um, or roughly around the 30-year age range, definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. And last but not least, our last topic for the day, Stuart, uh, we're going to get into some Hunger Games talk. Now, I got to admit, um, I still have not finished the Hunger Games franchise, Stuart. I oh. think the only one I have not watched was the part two for the last Hunger Games movie. Um, but I've loved all the other ones that I certainly have checked out. I really appreciated Jennifer Lawrence. I thought they did an incredible job of really bringing that novel to life as best as they possibly could. But we're going to be revisiting that world of the hunger games is we're going to be getting ourselves uh an upcoming sequel for the hunger games uh the ballad of uh songbirds and snakes uh has been getting a lot of publicity and talk as of late and one of the uh news articles that we want to go ahead and showcase to you guys today is that they have officially cast uh, another fantastic actor to certainly go ahead and be on board so let's go ahead and dive into this Stuart, as we talk a little Hunger Games today. Uh, this actually comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, letting us know that good old Viola Davis uh, is officially joining Hunger Games prequel as the villain, no less. This is an exclusive report from The Hollywood Reporter. And Stuart, I always say anytime you add Viola Davis to anything, you've automatically made your movie a ton better. Uh, so I don't know how this new Hunger Games movie is going to be, but Viola Davis alone as a part of this definitely uh, perks up my ears and gets my attention. It says Viola Davis has joined Lionsgate's Hunger Games a prequel, The uh, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Davis will play Dr. 
Volumnia, uh, Volumnia Gall, the head game maker of the 10th annual Hunger Games. She joins Tom Blythe, who will play a young uh, Cory Coriolanus Snow. I probably completely destroyed his name. Uh, and Rachel Zegler, who plays tribute Lucy Gray Baird uh, from the Improvished District 12. Uh, other announced stars include Josh Andres Rivera, Peter Dinklage, and Hunter Schaefer. Uh, the prequel synopsis reads as years before he uh, would become the tyrannical president of Pan, Pan Am, 18-year-old, um, I'm just going to call him Snow, 18-year-old Snow is the last hope for his fading lineage, a once proud family that has fallen from grace in the post-war capital. With the 10th annual Hunger Games fast approaching, the young Snow was alarmed when he is assigned to mentor Lucy Gray Baird, uh, the girl tribute from impoverished uh, District 12. But after Lucy Gray commands all of Pan Am's attention by defiantly singing during the reaping ceremony, Snow thinks he might be able to turn the odds in their favor, uniting their instincts. I see what they did there. Uniting their instincts uh, for showmanship and newfound political savvy, Snow and Lucy's race against time to survive will ultimately reveal who is a songbird and a snake. Uh, it says Francis Lawrence, who directed three of the four Hunger Games movies, is back to helm and will also produce alongside franchise producer Nina Jacobson and her partner Brad Simpson. Um, the authors for Hunger Games will also be executive producers on here as well. Um, so, man, um, I'm, I'm actually kind of pumped for this. They say the Hunger Games film has always been elevated by their exceptional casting, and we're thrilled to be continuing that tradition with Viola Davis as a vol Volumnia Gall. Her formidable and powerful presence will add layers to a complexity uh, and menace to this story. Dr. Gall is, a is as cruel as she is creative and as fearsome as she is formidable. Snow Savvy as a political operator develops in no small part due to his experiences with her as the game's most commanding figure, said Lawrence. Uh, Jacobson adds, from the beginning, Viola has been uh, our dream for Dr. Gull because of the finely layered intelligence and emotion she brings to every role. A brilliant and eccentric strategic uh, st strategist, Gull is instrumental in shaping a young Snow into the man he will become. So turning him into an asshole, pretty much. Okay, gotcha. We are incredibly <laughs> fortunate to have an actor with Viola's extraordinary range and presence to play this pivotal role. Um, Stuart, I love this casting choice, man. Uh, especially the way that they describe her character, Dr. Gull, in here. If there's anybody that can embody this character, it's definitely Viola Davis because she is just so incredibly powerful. And I love the way that they point out like her intelligence and the way that she breaks down scenes and stuff. Like, We'll all just really add a ton of uh, dimensions and layers to this character. And I couldn't be, I couldn't be more... That um, it couldn't be more truthful if you ask me. And just based off of knowing the Snow character from the previous Hunger Games movie, if this is if Viola Davis is the prototype to what that guy will eventually become, <laughs> holy crap! I cannot imagine what uh, Doctor Gall is going to certainly be like um, in this movie played by Viola Davis. You know, I just recently we went to the movies. Me and the girlfriend went to the movies. And uh, one of the trailers that they wind up playing is a new upcoming Viola Davis movie, The Woman King. I don't that know. That looks epic. 
epic, Stuart. It looks so epic. And just seeing her presence on the screen and the impact and how powerful she is as this character, I, I just I continue to be floored by Viola Davis and anything that she does. So you tell me you've brought on Viola Davis. It's a win. Like, I don't care if the movie's going to be crappy or not. I know whoever Viola Davis is playing is going to be one of the best parts in this entire movie. Uh, and so uh, I cannot wait. I think it's also very encouraging to hear the the director is coming back to Helm, who did three of the four Hunger Games movies. I think that's a brilliant idea. You got people coming back uh, as executive producers that did the previous films. The writers of Hunger Games are coming back as executive producers also. So uh, I think they are putting their a great team together along with a great cast um, that this um this is something I might have to pay a little bit more attention to, honestly. But you hear this news, Stuart. What are your thoughts on Viola Davis joining this cast? Uh, awesome. Uh, I think it's funny because like the first thoughts I had from the character description was, man, she sounds like the love child of Amanda Waller and Hugo Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, like I'm looking forward to this. I think she does such a great job in like both the Suicide Squad and in uh, Peacemaker as like kind of that like uh, villain who the, or uh, like I do I will call her a villain because like yeah what she does is like terrible in the Suicide Squad but it's like that whole thing of like the way she can like justify it in her head by being like oh but it's for the American people so it's okay I would love to see that you know mindset in another uh, world like the Hunger Games and it feels like knowing that she's kind of like the one who makes know who he is like later going forward uh, yeah I think this is going to be like some perfect casting right here you know it's been a while since I visited the world of the Hunger Games like I definitely watched all the movies when they came out um but i've never re-watched three or four i've only re-watched mm -hmm. the uh, first two movies every mm -hmm. now and then but it's been so long since we've had hunger game content that even though i wasn't like the biggest fan of the last two movies i'm, I'm looking forward to going back to this world um yeah i think uh this prequel sounds like it has a lot of uh potential also among the actors that you listed you listed peter dinklage and he's one of my favorite actors like ever so i'm really excited yeah, you, you make a good point too. Like, I I also haven't revisited Hunger Games in a minute. Like, the first two movies are ones that I I have watched on repeat before. Like, it is definitely something I I continue to. Um, I've definitely have gone back. It's really the third one that I feel like I fell off of, and I I didn't unfortunately get a chance to watch the the last hunger game so this does get me excited to actually maybe do a little bit of a marathon and go ahead and revisit this franchise because there is a part of me that kind of wants to go back and the idea that this is taking place from the, the 10th annual that this is now becoming more of a prequel you know i, I kind of want to see what that time period was like who some of the um, people that are going to be part of the contest are certainly going to be like going through the Hunger Games. I always knew that there was a much bigger lore involved. So for us to now have to go into the past and kind of see how maybe significant moments in here truly affect the um, the Katniss sort of run for Hunger Games movies uh, is really appealing to me and really intriguing. It's something that really has uh, it really has my attention as of right now. So I, I definitely am looking forward to revisiting this. You know, Va uh, Vanity Fair recently also dropped an article and a, a new photo because they do talk about uh, Younger Snow along with uh, um, uh, another character being played by Rachel Zegler. Um, this is actually uh, Vanity Fair did an exclusive first look on it. So this is uh, Tom Blythe as uh, 
Coriolanus. Coriolanus, no. And then you got Rachel Zig- Ziegler as Rachel Zegler, excuse me, as Lucy Gray Baird. Um, so it looks as though these two have definitely fallen in love with each other. So I'm kind of curious how Snow goes from this being Mr. Lovey Dovey guy to being a complete asshole in the Hunger Games movie. And I really want to see um I I'm a big fan of Rachel, and I really want to see how she does in this movie. She was in um West Side Story, if I'm not mistaken. I think she's also gonna be in the upcoming uh, Snow White film too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, she's got, and she's also gonna be in Shazam, isn't she, Stuart? I think she's playing. I think she's got a role in Shazam too. Oh, she like one of the uh, gods in it. I think she's one of the gods. Yeah, along with uh, Lucy Liu and uh, Helen Mirren. Um, but yeah, it says this a movie is set roughly 64 years before the saga told in the original Hunger Games quadrilogy. Um, it says it follows um, Coriolanus Snow decades before he becomes the most popular, po- powerful man in the dystopia land of Pan Am. Still, the future president Snow, played in the Hunger Games films by Donald Sutherland, is no less ambitious as a high school student. Uh, he is a young man finding his way in the world, but also makes choices that that presage the man he's becoming over the course of the film. He'll find himself caught between two forces of nature, the charming, the charming Lucy gray Baird, Rachel Zegler and the villainous Dr. Gall being played by Viola Davis. He is a shapeshifter who craves control, but is drawn to a woman who threatens everything he thought he wanted. Uh, So yeah, man, I like the idea of that back and forth um, that he's clearly going to be struggling with. And it says that woman, Lucy Gray, adds a soft touch to the franchise's brutal world, much like uh, Katniss Everdeen. She's a tribute from District 12. Unlike Katniss, Lucy Gray hails from a group uh, known for their close-knit musical culture. Her relationship with Snow starts in the arena, though it quickly grows beyond what the cameras see. Ooh. As shown (laughs) in this exclusive first image from the film above, she claims Snow in a way that little else in his war-torn world can. Um, So, yeah, she seems like the calm to his other side of his storm, if you will. Um, So, yeah, man, uh, it says this is not with judgment but lucy gray is the anti-katniss adds lawrence she's a musician she's a performer she's a charmer snow has never met a girl like this before Uh uh-oh she a man-eater bro Uh uh-oh be careful snow (laughs) be careful snow uh what do you think about hearing about these two characters though so the most fascinating like thing to me about this whole thing about having a prequel with snow and him like apparently not being evil in this movie like when when it starts is it's one thing in the world of Hunger Games. Like, I can buy the idea that someone like us who isn't a part of what's going on with the whole thing can just turn on their TV and go, oh, cool, we're watching people fight to the death. Awesome. Like, I hope to God if we lived in that world, I wouldn't be like that. But it's hard to say, you know, because you're watching it behind the screen. It's not affecting you in any way, shape, or form. Why would you care? But this is a guy who is actually going to be in the Hunger Games, who is actually getting a physical look at what's happening, at the people that are dying around him. So I'm just fascinating. I'm just fascinated by the fact that a person could do that, can witness all of that, and still think the Hunger Games are overall like a good thing. Like that's what's fascinating me about the concept of this prequel and why it's going to be really hard to write his character in a believable way. But it's also very intriguing that this is how they're writing him. So yeah, this is like the number one reason I'm excited. And it's also cool too, because like, it's weird that the uh, love interest seems completely innocent too. So it's like, you know, how does a dude like that fall in love with a girl like her, you know? 
Oh, uh, you're you're muted. Uh, no, and I think you make a great point. And I think that's what is so fascinating about this movie, too, and the idea of having to be explored. Because you're right. I feel like anybody that has gone into the Hunger Games, especially if you win, I guess you a part of me would think that they would be against the very notion of the Hunger Games to begin with after they've seen all the death and stuff. But, you know, I guess maybe in some of the celebratory aspects that we've seen from the Hunger Games, you know, have there been past, past winners that are still you know, thrusted on people's shoulders and celebrated and they've kind of accepted the the fame that has, has come with their victories. So I do think that there definitely are some people that maybe go through this experience and walk out a different person. And it does make me wonder, is Snow the last remaining person to stand at the end of this movie? Like, is he the one that survives? Is him and this Lucy, do they hold hands together at the end and say, no, we're, we're dual champions? I can't remember from past Hunger Games movies if they've mentioned the 10th annual Pan Am game and who wind up winning that. Um, I, I don't know if that's something that I missed in like the last two films or not. But um, regardless, I, I do want to see how this ends for both these characters, especially Snow. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It, uh very intriguing very very intriguing my fingers are crossed and i think what i'm going to do because you mentioned wanting to uh, re-watch the hunger games movies i, I think i'm going to hold off on that i'm going to wait until i watch this movie and then i want to watch like the hunger games movies afterwards and then just kind of like see how well the character kind of lines that. up you know wow. yeah i get you i get you um do me a favor can you try and do a release date search for um yeah for that movie kind of want to see when it winds up dropping and while you do that i think if anything guys that will probably wrap up all of our main topics today guys so thank you very much everybody for certainly coming through and joining us today um yes yeah, that uh, will wrap up our topics and if anything uh, i'm gonna go ahead and try and pull up i do believe i had somebody in the comments uh yeah, uh, I, I can't find it. I uh, I thought for a moment it was uh, May 19th, but then I saw it said 2020 and realized, oh, it's talking about the book. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, was that when they released the book for this? Um, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? Uh, yep. Oh, here it is. November uh, 17th, 2023. So we still got a little more than a year. Ah, uh, boo. Really? Ah, <laughs> uh, that sucks, man. I'm surprised Vanity Fair came out with the first look that early unless they were, I thought it was going to be this year. But uh, that sucks. All right. Well, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, yeah, that will wrap up. Let us know your thoughts, though, on uh, Viola Davis being cast in the new upcoming Hunger Games prequel. Do you like the sound of the casting? Uh, and what's your anticipation level for the sequel uh, or the prequel films, I should certainly say, when it comes to the Hunger Games? Let your thoughts be known in the live chat or the comment section box below. Uh, and, Stuart, I think you know what time it is, sir. I believe it is time for live viewer questions, questions, questions. And we're definitely going to go ahead and tackle those for you guys today. Um, why did I get a bunch of emails, guys? You guys know the. You guys know how this works. Um, I guess people couldn't be patient yesterday. Um, so let me see if I can pull this up here. I'm going to go to the home screen first because I want to make sure I don't do double questions here. So I'm going to go to the uh, community page and then we're going to go down to our 
live viewer questions. So let's go ahead and tackle these first. All right. Um, so let's see. Uh, Jessica Fryman says, uh, would you like to see Cisco um, and Wally, a.k.a. Kid Flash, come back for the final season of The Flash? And do you think Young Justice will get a fifth season? Um, yes to the first question. Second question, I know that the uh, writers are definitely trying to push for a fifth season, but it's like everything going on with HBO Max, uh, it's really hard to say, unfortunately. I hope it does because they seem like uh, it seems like they got a storyline set up and ready to go for the next season. Um, but yeah. um yeah i mean if it's in development maybe it's safe but i i don't think anything is safe any longer i think you're right um you know like i think shows like titans i think they're already in the middle of doing the, a fourth season same with doom patrol i think they're already in the works for doing the fourth season so if anything it's probably like those the following seasons after that that i'm more worried and cautious about um but you know when it comes to hbo max i did read a, a report recently um that you know they still at least want to be able to hold on to uh big popular ips uh that they think are going to bring in viewership so some of the dc television stuff might be safe because i think they mentioned like Peacemaker is still fine. The upcoming Green Lantern series might still certainly be fine. Um, so they did reference some other series that might be in the clear. Um, so if if that's the mindset for HBO Max to maybe hold on to a uh, popular IP, then maybe uh, maybe Young Justice will see the light of day for a fifth season. But it is animated, so I don't know, Stuart. I don't know, but we'll we'll definitely have to see. We'll keep certainly keep you posted though uh marcelino vasquez um he's got two questions so we get to pick and choose it's like a pick your own adventure here Stuart. um if lucasfilm decides to move forward on with rangers of the new republic what would you like to see out of the series or could you name a season on a tv show that was hated at first but over time became more loved for example a lot of people uh, first hated Arrow season three, but looking back on it now, uh, the same haters now no longer think it's as bad of a season and would even go so far as to call it a good season and claim season four is really the only bad season. Which uh, question you want to tackle? Uh, I'll tackle the uh, first one first uh, with uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Um, I mean, what I would love to see is them kind of uh, expanding that uh, like, that kind of like post um aftermath uh because there's kind of like a there's like a small battle that's still kind of wait are you able to hear me yeah oh okay huh that's weird my mic was like it said it was muted so i wasn't sure that that was weird uh sorry about that but anyways uh i, I would be very curious to see more of uh the aftermath uh you know like uh, elements from the aftermath the novels kind of play out in the uh, television mm. show and i'd love to see like kind of the first order coming to rise uh for the first time like and find out like how it is they came to rise to power how they slowly started to ease their way back into control i kind of like that idea an aftermath sort of um uh adaption almost or at least during that time period uh where you can start seeing maybe the inklings of something kind of kind of brewing you know this uh the the, the um 
Rangers of the New Republic was definitely supposed to be set during the the Mandalorian time frame. So uh, I would assume very similar to like Ahsoka and some of the other series, Book of Boba Fett, that this that this series would have been interconnected with that timeline in that time period so we're talking about maybe five years after um return of the jedi um for me there is a part of me that kind of and i think this is i don't know if this is what it changed into but like a rogue squadron you know like there's a part of me that um i really would have liked to have seen um they had a, a bunch of like legend extended universe books um that Jason and Jaina Solo, I think, were a part of where they were X-wing fighters. I think I can't remember. I don't remember what the name of the 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 novels were, but if, I can't remember if they were Rogue Squadron, if they were called Rogue Squadron or not. But I definitely would love to see, uh, love to have seen the show be about just the pilots, the X-wing fighter pilots, um, similar to how we saw the um, guy in the Mandalorian who's. Uh, not, I don't think he was like a sheriff, but he's like literally handing out like, hey, do you want to be the sheriff of this town sort of thing? We could really use you. Like, I, I really would like to kind of see the um, the what's left of the rebellion as far as like the X-Wing fighters and go. So I kind of would have liked to have seen this series turn into more like a Rogue Squadron series instead of a little bit of a, a movie. But that, that's the route that I probably would have gone. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, in regards, if anything... Because you had to assume that um, Gina Carano's character was probably going to be a pretty big part of it. Um, whether or not she was an X-Wing fighter, she definitely wasn't. But uh, I'm sure she probably could hold her own behind an X-Wing if she certainly wanted to. So, like, for me, it would have been cool to kind of see her maybe gather up some forces to kind of help along with the fight for the Mando, you know, the Mandalorians and whatever, you know, if they're trying to get back um uh, their planet or whatever the case may be. It would have been interesting to kind of see how uh, Cara Dune could have handled a, a situation like that. So I really would have loved to have seen the series regardless, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Marino. What's up, Kurt? In uh, Power Rangers, we've had many different writers being hired on different shows throughout the years. Plus, they always try to alienate the new show away from the previous so there aren't any comparisons with new fans. Even to this day, with other properties, uh, times change that pop culture series have embraced continuity and bringing back the past into the current content. Do you like that recent seasons of Power Rangers, even Dino Fury, uh, have shared having excuse me have sharing continuity with past series uh there is a chance the next next the new netflix universe might move away from the 30 plus series as we know it um i will say this growing up as a kid for me Stuart, um i got so incredibly annoyed that these shows were not connected um for me i, I guess i was always a big fan of them being connected, maybe I was spoiled from the original Zordon era um, to kind of see how well they did over the years and connecting to a much bigger overarching story, whether that be carrying the characters over from season to season or underlining storylines connecting throughout. Um, maybe I was spoiled like that as a kid. So when things did change um, and we got more of the Disney stuff and they all seemed pretty encapsulated sort of in their own continuity, uh, there was a part of me that kind of always always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so when I did get to see moments of like Dino Thunder, you know, when Tommy's showcasing the history, like that type of stuff was like, oh, shit, we're making connections again. Like, I love that type of stuff as a kid. 
um, but I always hated it when um, when they never tackled it. So now that we are getting back to that, opening up the multiverse a little bit more, making things connected between past seasons of Power Rangers, I feel like I'm home again. I think this is a, it feels perfect to me. I I, I love the way the, the what they're doing here uh, with that. But how, how how did you have did you have a relationship like that with the continuity of Power Rangers? No, as a kid, I don't think I, man, it's hard to say because I honestly don't remember what I thought as a kid when it came to continuity. I don't think I cared too much. Uh, I think I was just happy that they were like connected. Uh, I didn't necessarily need them to be like fully like connected. You know what I mean? And then right. I also like never watched the uh, Disney era of Power Rangers as a kid. Uh, I didn't watch that until like I was an adult. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree with what he's saying for the most part. Like I do love it like when they do those connective tissues uh and i do like how the last two seasons beast morphers and uh, dino fury have been doing that a lot more uh going back to a lot of those uh, older connections it really kind of felt like when you got to um uh specifically like ninja steel and then dino charge it felt like that was when they were trying to be like okay every season is just going to be like its own standalone universe uh not connecting to anything so it's really cool to see them go back to beast morphers and it kind of feels like they're going back to their roots of like hey you know we may not be directly connected to everything but we are in that same universe you know we can still do a lot of callbacks here and there and uh yeah it just makes the universe of the power rangers world feel like more complete you know what i mean yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, Blossom says, um, if there was a comic character from DC and Marvel that you'd like to see have their own movie, which character would you be? Remember I told you that I made the counterparts for both Kagura and Juru into neurodivergent children. Yes, I do remember that. Um, just thought it would be nice if Power Rangers had more different-minded differently abled heroes so if there's any is there any if there was a comic character from marvel and dc that you'd like to see in their own movie uh which character would it be Stuart? Mm, man uh there's quite a few from dc that we're going to be getting their own movie but sounds like they're not anymore so i'm just going to kind of go with the obvious one and go uh static shock because that was one that uh they currently mm. took out of their slate so it's like damn because i feel like that really could have connected to a lot of people yeah, I definitely feel you there. Um, you know, for the longest time, I was actually, I was actually thinking to myself, I wonder if they would ever make a Wonder Man show or a movie. Uh, and they're fucking doing it. I couldn't believe it when they announced. It. I was like, really? They're really doing it? But yeah, for me, Wonder Man. Uh, I was, I was always so fascinated because I, I grew up reading a lot of Avenger comics, and I was always so fascinated by like the love triangle between Wonder Man, Vision, and Scarlet Witch, and just the drama that kind of ensued. Um. And I always thought he just had a really cool sort of power set, especially uh, as we got further into his history. Um, so, yeah, Wonder Man was always one of those characters for me. So the fact that he's actually coming out with a series uh, kind of blew my mind when it was announced. I was not expecting it, but uh, I love it. Now a part of me wants a West Coast Avengers movie. I don't think we're going to get it, but that's that's where my head goes immediately. I think it's a huge possibility. Keeping my fingers crossed. Maybe as like an event series on Disney Plus, I'll take it. I don't know if as a full-fledged movie, but I'll, I would take a mini series of it for sure. Yeah. Uh, the most talented man alive uh, is here today. I suck my own balls. He's got he got a question. He says, Spider-Man No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. Do you think the stakes in Spider-Man No Way Home would have been a lot higher had it come out after Multiverse of Madness as originally scheduled? 
or are you completely fine with uh, what was set in stone? I personally am happy with um, that No Way Home was before Multiverse of Madness because when I saw Multiverse of Madness, from what I recall, there really wasn't that big of an emphasis on the events from No Way Home, but I could be wrong. Um, so how, how would you how would you like it? Do you think it would have had uh, No Way Home would have a lot? Um, hold on. Do you think oh. the stakes of Spider-Man No Way Home would have been a lot higher had it come out after Multiverse of Madness? Or are you happy with the way that it came out? I think it came out. It was good that it came out the way it did. If they had done it the other way, uh, I see the issue that like not only would Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire's uh, you know cameos not have been like quite as surprising as we expected. Uh, actually, yeah, no, I think that would be just the main issue is that it wouldn't have been as surprising. I think that like uh, with uh, with uh, No Way Home coming out when it did, when you know we hadn't had any big glimpses into the multiverse yet that was what really blew a lot of a lot of uh, audiences uh, minds away it's like seeing those characters there if we had gotten dr uh strange first and we had seen patrick stewart as professor xavier mm -hmm. uh, i don't think that impact would have been quite as strong yeah no i totally agree with you i think you're 100 percent right there i don't think um it would have been anywhere near as impactful and i and even though multiversal madness i don't think really references no way home too much i do think they reference the idea that you know he's been dabbling in some stuff he probably shouldn't have been you know so i do think that there is a a nice little setup here in no way a home leading into the multiverse of madness but yeah i think you're right i think had we been spoiled with all the fan service from multiverse we probably would have it probably wouldn't have hit us as much when it comes to no way home so I, I think they did it uh i think they did it the right way um seeing the ramifications of no way home i i personally think very much felt in multiverse um gabriel what's up gabriel what are some power ranger legacy seasons you would like to be revitalized for the Netflix series, if we still continue to get kids programming or even Rangers from comic books, basically get a sequel uh, or if it was a really bad season like Neo Saban era and wanted to be redeemed. Um, Stuart, I'm going to say something unpopular here. All right. I don't really want them to do that <laughs> um, <laughs> when it comes to Power Rangers legacy seasons. Uh, I think if you, you know, if I had to pick Rangers that I would like to see because he does say from comic books, I wouldn't mind the solar Rangers or hyperforce. Um, oh yeah. Um, that's the route that I would personally rather go, especially if we're going to be trying to, you know, I know people will say, you know, if we're still continuing to get kids programming, I'm still a hundred percent expecting the kids programming to take place in the Jonathan and whistle universe. So whatever original and new unique sort of universe that's created for power Rangers coming out of Jonathan and whistle, I do think the kids programming will reflect that, uh, in a, a brand new team that maybe we haven't necessarily seen before. Again, I don't, I don't really know. That's just my own speculation. Something that I personally would like to kind of see. So I kind of want to stay away from what's kind of been established over the past 30 seasons, if you will. But if I had to choose, I don't want to go back to a season that's already been revisited. I would rather go to something, teams that are out there that haven't necessarily gotten the opportunity. And I would, I think I would love the idea for Hyperforce to be one of them. Uh, and I would even um, be open to the idea of Solar Rangers, even though when it comes to Solar Rangers, I believe that they are some characters from past um, past teams that now have sort of like new powers and new abilities. But even if they wanted to avoid that, I mean, they could take maybe one or two of the 
rangers from the comics, like the the main lead character, uh, and then bring in new characters to uh, you know assemble the remainder of that team uh, if they wanted to go that route. So if I had to choose for kids programming, give me a Hyperforce or a Solar Rangers. What about you, Stuart? Do you want to see them uh, represent some legacy seasons um, if they do kids programming? One that I would love to see come back uh, that I actually think could be a good like standalone show also for mm-hmm. newcomers. I'd love to see them go back to SPD, uh, but show like, you know, all get, get like all the cast back if they can, you know, if they're willing to come back and just show them like, you know, years later in their new uh, positions. Cause uh, there was a comic book uh, that came at the, or not, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like a full length comic book, but there were like, you know, concept arts for a comic book uh, after a uh, legend of the uh, dragon, the, um, the um, basically old man, Tommy comic book. And it had like all these different concepts of, uh, SPD of an SPD kind of spinoff comic and uh, where all the characters would be at. And it sounded so cool where it's like, I think this could work as a television show. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a comic book form. So I would love to see a lot of those ideas that were jotted down on a TV show. I love it, man. That's definitely a possibility. I would be open to that, man. I love that suggestion. Um, what else we got? Good old Nicole Robertson. Um, she says, Hey y'all hope you're doing well. Um, what do you think of the Netflix Jessica Jones villain Kilgrave, played by Dem- De- David Tennant? And would you like to see him return as a new version of the character in the MCU considering the speculation of Jessica Jones, possibly the candidate of the she Hulk series and even daredevil reboot. Man, <laughs> he would be a really dark character to bring into uh, the MCU. So I'm, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how they did it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it would be really hard to write him in that, uh, in that like, uh, especially if it was She-Hulk, for example. I feel like he would be really hard to write in that show. So if they brought him back, it would have to be in probably like one of their like uh, upcoming like TV MA rated shows. I wonder if. Um... Because he did die, right? Kilgrave did die at the end of Jessica Jones season one. He did. And then there was a weird implication at the end of season three that he, that might, be he alive. might still be alive. Yeah. But it was uh, like never confirmed. I, I love David Tennant in almost like anything that this man does. Um, I was a big fan. Like while I didn't necessarily care too much for the Jessica Jones series, I always thought he was really great as Kilgrave. I thought he did an incredible job uh, as the villain in there. So you know, whether it's Kilgrave or not, um, I would love them to find a, a home for David Tennant. Uh, I feel like it's probably going to have to be a really great role, something for him to sink his teeth in. I don't think he's just one of these actors that are just like, you know, eager to jump back into the ring of doing comic book movies and television shows. Um, but if you were to get David Tennant back, I think that would be an incredible win. But if uh, if anything, I wouldn't necessarily bring him back as Kilgrave. I would probably recast him as um, as somebody else personally. I, I, who that person would be, I don't know. But uh, David Tennant, as far as the MCU, is never a bad idea. She just have him play a random doctor as an extra in the background. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, have him working with uh, Rosario Dawson as the night nurse or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Uh, let's see here. Um, Adrian Perez, uh, this may not ever happen, but what do you think if Hasbro were to adapt the storyline from Boom Studio Comics of Power Rangers into live action or even an animated series? There's so many possibilities with Boom Studios that I think it would be so cool if we were ever to adapt into a Power Rangers series or movie, especially with Hasbro currently having to deal with Netflix, even if it's not a full adaption. You know, you know, I am a, a, a fan, Stuart, of... Um, you know, if you've got content out there, um, even if it is in the form of novels or comic books, uh, I think they're a really great source of adapt adapting things, especially if you've got some really powerful stories to certainly be told. Like for me, I wouldn't mind seeing the Grace Sterling Power Rangers. Um, I wouldn't mind that Zordon moon incident if you will in a standalone animated form whether that be a movie or film or a miniseries I, I would definitely be open to that um i honestly would love to see shattered grid still kind of brought to life in animation form heck you might be able to pull it off in live action someday but uh, i do think that there's plenty that's been out there from boom studios and power rangers that would be adapted are there any stories that you would like to see and do you think they should consider that uh shattered grid and if they don't want to fully adapt shattered grid i think you could easily do like a sequel with shattered grid that could be live action and you could have like actors actually returning in it so mm. that that would be my number one pick yeah i would definitely love to see something like that yeah definitely maybe even bring back the actors as their voice actors if you're doing animation i think there's definitely a room for that there um let's see here michael rhymes is it me or Zeal felt like a real progression from MMPR uh, where it had more of a real story like fighting against the machine empire and protecting the gold rangers powers though majorly majority of episodes were very much still lessons of the day type of thing and sending billy off to aquatar when he was aging rapidly due to time travel side effects i really hope that if billy does return for the 30th anniversary we get at least a small follow-up to his life at aquatar since zeo uh, and uh, if he eventually moved back to Earth, I've always wondered if he ever told his family he moved to another planet. I would uh, hope so. <laughs> bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. Where are you going? Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I would love to see him return. And, yeah, I've been hearing those rumors, of course, like all over Twitter about how he's going to have, like, a small role in the 30th anniversary season. And, yeah, I hope they kind of, like, address, like, everything he's been up to, like, in between that time when he left to go to Aquatar and then, you know, came back on Earth. It's really – it's too bad that David Yost went through what he did when uh, they were filming Power Rangers Zio. Uh, so I would love to – I would love to see him come back and I would love to see, like, you know – and that, like, you know, I would love to see that at least, like, even though it started rough, at least, like, now we can say it's, like, gone to somewhere positive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, if anything, like, for me, I, I would agree with you, Michael. I do think that Zio uh, was a real progression. Uh, and I've talked about this before. Like, it felt like it's the first time that we we really allowed, you know, Rocky, Adam, and, um, um, and Tanya and them to really get, like, just i don't know their own their own storylines like their own personalities and i think that probably is what helps make zeo feel that way in the sense of a real progression like i wonder like when the light bulb came on in a sense of like oh yeah we should really give these people like their own lives and stop trying to pretend that they're zach trini and jason uh all these years later you know so i, I kind of dig the idea of um zeo was always a season of progression for me i is the way i always felt about it personally 
Did uh, I forgot? Have you ever seen uh, Linkara's uh, History of Power Rangers? Mm-mm. It, it it's a fun video series, and when he t- when he talks about Zio, he talks about why the theme song immediately like hit him from the start, and he's just like mm-hmm. just the lyrics alone stronger than before, you know, and it really does fit the theme of the overall season. This is a Power Rangers team that is now like evolving and adapting, just like the pow- just like the Zio crystals, because you know the whole thing with the Zio crystals is that over time they get stronger and more powerful, and so you kind of like you really get that sense of like um, Zio really is the Power Rangers leveling up yeah it, it truly is it truly is that's one of the reasons why it's i'm always been a, a favorite of it a favorite of mine uh jericho gonzalez why do you think the toxic fans of power rangers are so obsessed with wanting power rangers to be so dark and mature i don't know if that's just toxic fans though uh what are your thoughts when those same fans are also sentai fans um get upset when a sentai series gets adapted into power rangers and they change things to cater to western audiences like dino charge not using the dancing zamba as the uh uh as the morph thank god they didn't uh because it looks ridiculous especially when the music changed during the serious moment or when the sentai series gets destroyed in power rangers like go kaiger and super megaforce sentai is more comedic and over the top than pr so why do you think uh Fans of Power Rangers are so obsessed with wanting Power Rangers to be dark and mature. Uh, and those same fans that get upset when uh, they do get adapted. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like um, a lot of times you'll get those dark moments from a show that's super lighthearted. And it'll give you those awesome goosebumps. And you'll be like, oh, that's so cool. I want to keep feeling that. But I guess you don't realize at the time that, you know, the reason you feel that way is because it's you sparingly and it's very impactful. If they try to make uh, Power Rangers dark and gritty like the entire time, I don't think it would have quite as much of an impact. That's not me saying like the show shouldn't try to be darker if it's going for an older audience. Uh, But it's me just kind of like saying, I think that's why like those dark moments of Power Rangers really kind of stick to a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, and it's also like... um, it's interesting. So he mentions toxic fans wanting this, but I think I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't think it's just a thing that toxic fans want. I think there's plenty of people that, you know, would like to see the series go in that franchise, but they're not like the kind that are like, Oh, if, if we don't get dark, mature uh, storylines, you know, we're going to boycott this, you know, stop right. ruining power Rangers. I don't think every fan that wants something like that is a toxic fan. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, I think it could work, and I think that's why they want it because of those like kind of feelings you get when they do happen in the show. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know when we talk about Power Rangers being more dark and mature, you know, I do wonder like how how dark are we talking? You know, because I feel like while there are certainly some people that enjoyed that you know that trailer or that short film film that we wind up getting years ago, like when I look at like I see that as like dark and mature, but I feel like while and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like people that watched it enjoyed it. But I, I feel like majority of people would say it's cool, but that's not quite how we would want our Power Rangers. You know what I mean? Like, I think I wonder if there's a, a majority of people that would feel like that's too dark and too mature. Like, I think there's a difference between dark and mature and making just serious storylines. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, to, to feel like it's made for audience more mature audiences um so i i, I kind of look them as two separate things if you will like a, ser- a serious power Rangers taking itself seriously compared to dark and mature 
there's there's a whole difference between just like giving us serious storylines and then trying to recontextualize Power Rangers and say that it's a show about child soldiers the way that short film did. Like I enjoy that movie. Don't right. get me wrong, it was right. really cool. But no, I would I don't want to see the Power Rangers franchise go into that direction. That's a terrible idea, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, like the, the yeah. famous stardom of Power Rangers took these teens down that twisted and dark road, and now they're addicted to drugs and sex. Like, I don't, I, that's, I'm not, no, I'm not trying to get on board with that. Like, that's, yeah. So, I, I, I do, I do think it's probably a small fan base that maybe wants that dark and mature, or maybe they're mistaken the dark and mature for, I think you really just want serious storytelling, but I, maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that regards, but, um, so we'll see. We'll see where Jonathan and Whistle. I'm hoping Jonathan and Whistle just finds just a nice balance. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Um, I am gonna do this last minute backup question because Dino might be hitting us with these these novels, man. Like he could write literally short stories all day. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with his last minute backup question. Iris Hampton, who was casting director of Power Rangers during the classics of Bond era. Uh, appearing at Power Morphicon this year, along with Chip Lynn. Do you guys think we could potentially be getting the cast announcements for the 30th anniversary? And with Chip also being there, could it be that he might return executive producer? He did unfortunately give us really bad season with Ninja Steel in the second half of Dino Supercharge, along with the mess series with Beast Morphers. Mess series? Man, I actually enjoyed it, but I don't know. Maybe you, how did you feel about it Stuart did you feel that Beast Morphers was meh uh I really enjoyed it overall I just think that like if it had less episodes it would have been a lot better but no I really enjoyed Beast Morphers uh he says but I am keeping an open mind considering the show is no longer on Nickelodeon and is owned by Hasbro and Netflix I still would love if Simon Bennett were returned he's amazing with Dino Fury um I don't think we're gonna get I mean I do think we're gonna get a cast announcement um in some capacity I don't know if it's because iris hampton is going to be there um or you know they're making the casting or she's just that big of part of power rangers that she's going to be there in general i mean it could be if they are going to do a casting announcement it might be one of the reasons why she's hanging out there but as far as chip lynn being there um i don't think he's returning as an executive producer i think if anything he's probably going to be there to talk just be on a panel, maybe talk Power Rangers, maybe on the Beast Morphers panel, maybe give a little bit more insight in regards to how that series kind of came together, maybe advice that he might have given Simon Bennett. So I do think Chip Lynn being there is more for panel purposes than uh, a, a reveal that he has something to do with an upcoming series, though. Um, but what do you think about Iris Hampton and Chip Lynn being there? Any particular reasons you think that they're there? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think they're there just for the panels. I don't think it's for the uh, casting announcement specifically. That said, I'm pretty sure we're still going to get that casting announcement at least. Oh my gosh, I'm hoping so. Man, my first Morphicon, if we don't get that casting announcement, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to be a little bit fatigued or uh, a little bit uh, uh, annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, sure you'll be. You'll be annoyed and fatigued, I'm sure, by the end yeah. of the weekend, bro. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, Chip Lynn being there, I don't think it, <laughs> Or, or actually, let me ask: Is he like, um, like an executive producer currently on Dino Fury? Because I know he's no longer the showrunner, obviously. But uh, I, I didn't, I didn't think he left the series altogether. I thought he just kind of like stepped down and let uh, Simon Bennett take over. I don't believe he is. Uh, I'm going to the Wikipedia page right now. Um, 
he's not listed as a executive producer or a producer. Oh, okay. So in that case, yeah, if, if he were to come back, uh, I don't think he is. I think, again, it's probably just he's there for the panels to answer fan questions, that kind of a thing. But if you were to come back, uh, yeah, I'd be cool with it. I, I really want Simon Bennett to stay as the showrunner because I really like what he's done with uh, Dino Fury. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I would have nothing against Chip Lynn, uh just being there as an executive producer and then, you know, giving some advice to Simon Bennett here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Morgan Hutchinson's got two questions, but I will pick um, one. Uh, let's go with the Jonathan Entwistle stuff right now. Any wish list or predictions for the future of Power Rangers, like the new Jonathan Entwistle's universe or even the 30th anniversary celebration that we have not yet talked about? Um. I mean, my biggest hope for the 30th anniversary celebration is that it's a good story that also, you know, knows how to give fans um, enough fan service to like kind of show their appreciation that they've stuck around for 30 years, but not too much that it's like just fan service, the TV show, you know? So it's, I, get, I made it seem like it's like a simple request, but it's not like, I get that that's <laughs> a big challenge, but if they're able to pull that off, I'm going to be uh, very satisfied. Yeah. I wonder if, um, if anything, for me, you know, one of the I am hearing rumors um, that they may be extending episodes, uh, episode count for the 30th anniversary, maybe making it a little bit longer. Um, again, I, you know, I have not had my ear to the ground of Power Rangers like that in a minute to really pick up on rumors and speculation. Because, you know, Stuart, for me, one of the things when it comes to Power Rangers now is I'm kind of over and tired of the speculation. Um, and the rumors uh, all the time and then things being switched on me like I, I'm I'm really ready for concrete news. I'm really mm -hmm. ready for like the official shit to hit the fan for me to certainly talk about. That's one of the reasons why we probably haven't done a lot of Power Ranger content in a while. It's just because it, I'm just continuing to hear rumors and speculations and I much rather report on things that we know are officially going to happen. Um, but I have been hearing that it, they might extend it a little bit longer. I'm even hearing that the um, MMPR reunion special may not even be happening anymore, um, that they might not have been able to get that many people back, or maybe there's some other underlining situations that are certainly happening. So I, I really have, I honestly right now have no idea what the is happening when it comes to Power Rangers or what's going to be announced uh, for the 30th anniversary. Well, in I can any tell way, you, shape, or form. Well, I can tell you one thing for sure. We are going to be getting news starting tomorrow because uh, the rangerboard.com uh, Twitter page, they made a, a post about it saying coming uh, soon, Power Rangers week, August 22nd through the 28th. And the first comment or one of the comments down here is Simon Bennett saying, looking forward to things being made public. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. So we're definitely if listen, Simon, boom, Simon Bennett just confirmed attached to 30th anniversary. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, take yep. that to the bank, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I've been I've been preaching the praises of Simon Bennett for quite some time and and saying I feel pretty confident if you're going back to New Zealand, Simon Bennett's got to be attached to it in some way or, or another. Uh, so I am hoping that does, in fact, turn out to be true. So we'll see how it turns out. But uh, if we get big announcements throughout the week, ladies and gentlemen, trust me when I say we definitely will be bringing you guys some videos to certainly talk about it throughout the week. Um, let's see here. Um, Carlo Bernardo. Hey guys, do you agree or disagree that Super Sentai Power Rangers has been 
over using gold as a sixth ranger and what color would you like to see be a sixth ranger in the future also with power week approaching along with uh, power morphicon what do you hope to get publicly announced or too good to be true uh, i do think that gold is overused uh i'm okay with silver uh i would also be okay with purple i'm still waiting for um an orange would be great um there's just so many other damn colors that they can certainly use. White would be a really great one for uh, a sixth ranger. I think would be cool. What about you? Any colors that you still would like to see used as a sixth ranger? And do you think gold is overused? Have we ever gotten a, a black sixth ranger? Um, it's so funny because well, I think of I think of like Tommy from Dino Thunder is black. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but is he okay. a sixth ranger? He, I mean. Oh, yeah. God, I don't know, because he joined very early. I think it was like episode four when he was already like kind of like uh, when he got his powers. So I, don't and I know. just think of Jason, but Jason's always been gold, even though he's got a ton of <laughs> yeah, it's, and gold. Yeah, it's like, you know, he has a gold uh, chest, but like somehow that's enough for him to be called the gold <laughs> ranger. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but yeah, black would be cool yeah. as, a, as a sixth. I, I would think that for sure. And then uh, I know we've had White Rangers, but have we had like White Rangers as like the Sixth Ranger? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Unless you count like kind of the mentor from uh, Mystic Force. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't count that as a Sixth Ranger. Yeah, and just Tommy um, from the original. But that's as the White Tiger. But outside of that, not that I can think of. No, no. So those would be, those would be some, definitely some great ones for a Sixth Ranger for sure. Yeah. Um. I also yeah. like it when they uh, in RPM when they did gold and silver together. Uh, I'm also all down for that if they want to do like a double six rangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love that, too. Um, as far as with Power Week approaching, anything we would like to see publicly announced or too good to be true? Um, I would love to see a casting announcement for a Yen, although I have a feeling. I mean, if they are still doing a Yen character, I, I, I do have a feeling that the cast though won't be announced until power morphicon though mm -hmm. um so aside from that i don't really know just just give me something from jonathan and whistle like my god just something from him like you know i remember jinsaku uh a couple months ago talked about that jonathan and jonathan and whistle had sat down with deadline to do an interview um but they hadn't released it yet if that was true I would love a Jonathan at Whistle Deadline article to drop uh, during Power Week to give us a little bit more insight into the world that he's certainly creating. So I'll say that. I would love to see that go publicly announce uh, an interview with Jonathan at Whistle. That would be pretty sick. Um, and then I would also love it. You know, this would be probably too good be, to be true, but I would love if they confirmed the 30th anniversary special episode with the original uh, cast uh, together mm. again. Yeah, that then, would be, that'd be cool. And then just the cherry on top, a bulk and skull cameo, man. That, <laughs> that's what I need in this 30th anniversary for like the cherry on top of it. We got to have at least one bulk and skull cameo. For a second, I thought you were going to say a bulk and skull spinoff. That's what I thought, that's what I thought you were going to say. I, I always had this idea for like, not on a whole show, obviously, but it would be like a TV movie and it'd be like the two of them going back to being detectives like they were uh, in high school and uh, them just being uh, private detectives solving a crime together and having yes. very, very little ties to Power Rangers. But, you know, yeah. Uh, we still do have other live viewer questions that we're oh, going to we tackle. My bad. Yeah, I did, got a couple in um, an email. I guess I put it up too late. 
Um, and you know, some people decided to send in some emails instead. So Jackson Peterson, similar to um, my question when it comes to Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, how much of a role do you think he will have in She-Hulk series? And um, you agree or disagree that Mark Ruffalo really hasn't really had much of a major presence in the MCU aside from Avenger installments. I remember watching Thor Ragnarok and Hulk to me felt like he was there as comedy comedic relief. I still can't get over when Hulk and Thor were in the Viking arena um, and Hulk wore a giant bulking night hat, or I guess talking about his getup that he wore during the, the battle in Ragnarok. Um, so how much, uh, how, how much of a role do you think he'll have in She-Hulk? Um, and do you agree or disagree that he really hasn't had a major presence in the MCU? Um, I don't think we're going to see him again until the last episode. Uh, I think, I think he was only there to really like, uh, kind of get the show started and that was pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, I kind of get what you mean. It does suck that we haven't had like a solo, uh, Hulk movie in, you know, since 2008. And it would be really nice to go back to that character. Uh, I don't think he's underutilized because when they do use him in the Avengers films, they really use him. Like, I think he's really well utilized in other people's films. It's just too bad he doesn't get his own, like, movie to shine in. Yeah, I agree. And I think they even utilized him really well in the She-Hulk episode. Like, I I thought they had some great um, chemistry between him and his cousin, um, and just the information that he gives her in regards to trying to help her prep to being a Hulk and things like that. Uh, I really loved it. And I even really loved Mark Ruffalo being in there to even add connections to the overall sort of MCU universe. You know, him talking a little about a little bit about Tony Stark, I thought was pretty cool about how he put together the lab, seeing him and his cousin just having like just trying to get drunk off of a bunch of drinks and just talking about the everyday issues like Captain America being a virgin in the MCU and stuff. I mean, I, I, I thought just having him along with Jennifer Walters did a really great job of um, diving into the MCU lore a little bit and kind of expanding upon it. But I definitely also agree too, like you said, Stuart, about the idea of how it feels like he hasn't really had that much of a presence, but you know, I'm maybe it's the granted. He hasn't had his own solo film, but he's definitely had impact in almost every avengers movie that we had right age of ultron he went ballistic and had that huge fight with hulk hulk buster iron man which was incredible as he went complete savage as under uh, scarlet witch's control um and again i loved his um his presence here within the the mcu i mean with with the she hulk series also so i think they're doing pretty good of placing him where they certainly can uh, if there is anything that i do miss though it is sort of that savage hulk side of things mm -hmm. um and so while i don't think we we're going to be seeing savage hulk for quite some time now that he can transform between smart hulk and bruce banner i do wonder if the next savage hulk is going to come from the She-Hulk side of things. Like, I wonder if we get ourselves a series of Jennifer Walters as this lawyer who's got her shit together. And if something maybe in the finale or further down in the MCU, she eventually turns into more of that savage She-Hulk that we see from the current comic book run than, um, than the John Byrne in 90s and, you know, version of uh, Jennifer Walters. But that's what I personally would like to see. Let's see here. We also got a question from Alexander Rosario. 
Um, we know Rocky was considered a copy of Jason when Rocky, Adam, and Aisha joined the team in the middle of season two. But he was still a really great ranger, especially in Zeo as the Blue Ranger. We even got a really great episode with Rocky when he was jealous of Jason when he came back as the Gold Ranger. This showed that Rocky always felt like an afterthought in Jason's shadow. Rocky even said in the episode, I'm being replaced by the guy I took over from. And I, I also think that that's also a really great... Um, I think that's really smart on the writers, too to tackle maybe a topic that even the, the fans were questioning or the fans might have felt a certain type of way about, right? Like, um, he's coming across too much as like this Jason wannabe or, you know what I'm saying? Like, if if we as fans felt some type of way about it, I got to think Rocky did too. And so for them to make that a storyline, uh, I actually really appreciated that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I liked Rocky as a character, but I get where like some fans would be coming from because yeah, in the beginning when he was just literally written to be a replacement for Jason, there were like times where it's like he's literally just Jason except for he's not a leader. So, um but yeah, as the show went on and they gave him his own identity, I think it, you know, it worked later on. Yeah, I definitely agree. Good old Car Carter Matthews. What's up Carter? Um, what did you think of Christian Bale's The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises movies? And why do you think it was considered one of the best Batman films ever made? Plus, do you feel Robert Pattinson's Batman is on par or above? What do you think of the MCU? Uh, oh, well, that's two different questions. Hold on. Let's go with the Christian Bale one. Christian Bale's Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises movies. And why do you think it's considered some of the best Batman films ever? And do you feel Robert Pattinson's Batman is on par or above? Um, I think like with Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, it was like one of the first times we really saw Batman being taken this seriously. And so it was like a really unique thing for fans. Plus, they're just amazingly well filmed most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, that said, I'm not a big fan of The Dark Knight Rises. I love Dark Knight. Uh, Dark Knight Rises is kind of a uh, not my favorite. Um, but Robert Pattinson's Batman, I freaking love. I think he's my favorite Batman. Um, I think he is like – so you get the Tim Burton Batman, which is like the super gothic over the top, very much wants you to know that it's based on a comic book. And then you get the Christopher Nolan movies, which is them just trying to take Batman but make him like realistic, make it feel like this is a Batman that could exist in the real world. Robert Pattinson's Batman, I think, is the perfect balance between the two of them. It's grounded enough to where it's like you can believe what you're seeing is hap can happen in that universe, but it never feels too realistic. It always feels like, you know, it knows its comic book roots. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get you. Uh, for me, when it comes to Robert Pattinson's The Batman, I think it's on par. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say it's above because I think for me, I, The Dark Knight is still my favorite Batman movie uh, oh, by Christopher okay. Nolan. Um, but this Batman, the, the Batman comes a close second. Like, for me, I think The Batman is, like, probably the perfect Batman film. But when I think of, I still want that epic, sort of, those epic action pieces that I think you can only find in other Batman movies. Like, for me, the final act of the Batman didn't necessarily hold up as well as I would have liked to compared to, say, The Dark Knight Rises, or, like, the Dark Knight sort of action pieces and action sets uh, and climactic sort of, like, ending battle type of thing. So, like, and I guess maybe The Dark Knight, I feel like, is probably a, an easier film to digest for... 
I don't want to say the general public, but I feel like that's an easier film to digest uh, and enjoy and go back for multiple viewings very easily than it is the Batman movie. I almost feel like the Batman movie is a movie that I got to be in the mood for in order to kind of watch. I don't, it's not necessarily something that I can put on in the background and, and watch over and over again. So I think to me, that's where my love for the dark Knight comes a little bit more again, not taking anything away from Robert Pattinson and what he did with the Batman. They're two different, different films. And while I do think, um, the Batman might be the better Batman film overall in regards to film wise. I still think the Dark Knight's a better film than that. But that's that's just that's just how I feel about it, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're both definitely incredible in their own ways. And like with the Dark Knight, I definitely can't blame people for like having that as their favorite movie because there's scenes that still look incredible today. Like it, it, it's really like it was one of the most incredible movies when it came out. You know, I still remember the hype around it. Yeah, and even like the Dark Knight, like you mentioned, like the Dark Knight is like even though I, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of that, just Christopher Nolan's uh, filming style. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's still a gorgeous film to watch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's still it's still really great um, in that capacity. But um, yeah, it, it didn't sit too well with me. But I, I did like what um, Christopher Nolan was able to do with those. Like, even though I don't like the Dark Knight Rises, that opening scene, holy shit. <laughs> what was the opening scene on that one? The um, uh, plane heist with. The oh, game. yes. Like yeah. That, <laughs> that like incredible. that, that hooked me from the start. Like, holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Power Rangers Legacy. I still really feel the penultimate and mid episodes season finale of Dino Fury season one, Waking Nightmares and Void Trap. I love that both were technically two part episodes seeing Zato and Ion on another planet uh, fighting the illusions of the four Rathcon Rangers was really cool, really cool and great use of original footage as they search for two missing Dino keys. The light and shy, uh, shadow keys, both Zato and Ion struggling with nightmares really shows that they've always been tormented by how they lost their ancient Sporex battle. Uh, the Void Trap, I also absolutely love that the episode immediately picked right up where Walking Nightmares um, with their Rangers already discussing Void Knight's plan uh, of using new machines. And that's kind of what we talked about is that even though Nickelodeon never really allowed for like part two parters, um, you know, they always wanted you to have to wrap up an episode within that time period, like standalone episodes. I always thought that Simon Bennett did a fantastic job of of continuing the episodes kind of right where you left off at instead of necessarily making it uh, or officially calling it a two-parter. Uh, he also says, From Dr. what I hear, that was actually a Saban thing. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he was the one that was like very much against like two-parters if they weren't like the opening or the seats of finale. Boo, Saban, boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he also says Dr. Arcana joining the team and later finding out Ollie and the other five Rangers was just awesome. Zeta using Dino Fury Megazord to get Dr. Arcana back from the portal after being taken um, was intense. The showdown between the Rangers and Void Knight uh, were cut off from the morphing grid uh, thanks to Void Knight's machine was epic. Um, seeing the actors actually get their hands dirty, especially Tessa as Izzy actually doing cool wire work as she sliced through um, the, uh, the machine. Um, so, yeah, some really great uh, reasons to love the season one finale. For sure. um, Adam Perea, do you think once we get Jonathan Entwistle's reimagined Power Ranger universe, we'll no longer get international spoilers? Instead, uh, instead, Netflix would actually start giving real 
release dates like all its other original content? I would hope so, but I think that that all goes to like Hasbro, right? Um, well, you know, I know Netflix has the rights to it, um, to, to, to broadcast it. So, or distribute it, I should say. So I do wonder, there's a part of me that thinks that since it is on Netflix, um, I don't know if they have streaming rights or, um, I don't know if those rights have been split off to anybody else though. Um, I would assume if, if the Netflix has the rights that it would probably go to Netflix first, especially with them being, uh, international, uh, I would think that they would all kind of release together, but I could be wrong. What do you think, though? Yeah, that might be accurate. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, so basically, I don't think it's going to happen when we get the Jonathan and Whistle uh, Power Rangers. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say Netflix is going to try to s- distribute those evenly. And I think the only reason they haven't put that effort into Dino Fury is because they just don't really see Dino Fury as like their Power Rangers. They see it as the Power Rangers that mm. they just happen to have the streaming rights to. Yeah, so definitely possible. We'll see. But yeah, I, I guess we're both under the impression that um, we won't have to deal with international spoilers too much longer. Uh, good old Jack Daniels. Uh, my thoughts on Nightcrawler. Uh, what do you guys think of the movie Nightcrawler starring Jake Gyllenhaal? Nightcrawler exceeded my expectations. He acted his ass off. I had heard of Nightcrawler on this subreddit many times as a great film, but more so as a show off for Jake Gyllenhaal's tremendous acting talent. Throughout the movie, I felt an uneasy tension and was captivated to keep my eyes on the screen as I wonder how the movie would progress. There were quite a few scenes from Jake Gyllenhaal really surprised me by really playing into the creepy uh, psychopathic role that he was acting as. The growth of his character from a weirdo with nothing to a person with power is fantastic. It kind of feels like a shift of Superman as Clark Kent to Superman in original films based on clips I've seen on YouTube. He grows from a timid weirdo who is rejected by society to someone who leverages his power into getting what he wants. Some story moments weren't too believable, but I'm willing to overlook that. Nightcrawler is a tense movie with a fantastic with fantastic acting. Yeah, how did you like the Nightcrawler movie? Oh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I happened to be taking like a class about reporting when watching it. So it was like, it was perfect for me to just be like, Ooh, you're not supposed to do that. And he knows <laughs> he's not supposed to. Oh, um, funny story about that movie also is that I was working at the, uh, I, I mean, I was working at a movie theater, uh, when it came out, obviously a, a different one that I'm working at now, but like, um, when it came out, there would be people every once in a while that would look at the title of the movie on the uh, marquee and they would actually like unironically ask, wait, is, is that an X-Men movie that you guys are playing? An X-Men movie? Yeah, because they would think Nightcrawler from X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie too. He definitely was super creepy in there, but it definitely just goes to show Jake Gyllenhaal's um, sort of range. Um, but yeah, once he starts using like the footage and stuff to acquire power, then it's just like, yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But it, I would definitely recommend it, guys. If you haven't had check, time to check out Nightcrawler, definitely uh, pretty intense. Um, Roberto Buena, uh, with Power Morphicon coming up in a couple of, uh, in a couple of weeks. Well, it's actually this week uh, or the next weekend. Uh, how excited are you that it's coming back since the pandemic? And with some actors who may or may not attend this year, who do you think um, who do you think might secretly return for the 30th anniversary aside from David Yost himself? I'm super pumped that it's coming back. Uh, I really am. I'm, I'm really happy that you're getting a chance to go, Stuart. Yeah. 
Um, actually, I think one of the most likely uh, actors to come back for the 30th anniversary because she came back uh, for Beast Morphers and she's kind of back for Dino Fury from what I've heard. Uh, I think there's a good chance we can get Dr. K. Um, mm-hmm. She lives in, in New, Ze- New Zealand from what I understand and they already got her back for Dino Fury um, because she's uh, apparently going to be helping them with a, um, another musical number, uh, kind of like what <laughs> we got in Beast Morphers. Okay. So there's going to be like a whole, because uh, that's like her main thing that she does now. She does dance choreography. Okay. So uh, yeah, I think there's a good possibility we could get her in the uh, 30th anniversary just you know based on her being available i like it i would love to see dr k return in some way shape or form you know i don't know if two musicals back to back is a good idea but i'll i'll give them a shot i'll definitely love to see what this cast uh, can certainly do i mean they blew me away with the beast morphers one so to kind of see what the dino fury cast can do yeah i would be i would be up for that for sure uh let's see here um I still remember, like, <laughs> dude, when you when you messaged us on Facebook, like, uh, just like total randomly, like after you watched that episode, you're like, I think this might be my new favorite episode, and I like couldn't tell if you were kidding or not. Oh no, absolutely, bro, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I still I still live by that. One of the best episodes of Power Rangers in this uh, in this era, uh, or at least of the Neo Saban era at the time, for sure. Uh, I just love it for his creativity and finally doing something out of the fucking box. Like, thank God for originality from time to time. Um, and I just thought they were just that talented of actors to be able to to pull it off. Um, and maybe I'm a sucker for musicals from time to time too. But uh, I just think I, I just think it felt very much like we're in the new era of Power Rangers now. You know that we're we're not afraid to tackle and dive into something new. And so I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Abase, um, you most definitely already talked about this when you read this, but um, what do you think of the somewhat surprising news of Ezra Miller actually getting treatment from his mental health and taking responsibilities for the issues he's been having? Miller noted the complex mental health issues that they are working through and confirmed that they've gone into treatment for the issue. The actor also apologized to everybody who's been involved. Uh, having recently gone through a time of intense crisis i now understand that i am suffering complex oh i guess he just put the the note up there so i guess we can revisit it Stuart, if you'd like to um um yeah what do you think of uh, somewhat surprising news of ezra miller actually getting treatment yeah like i said uh good for them uh i still don't think they should ever come back as the flash but i also think that everyone you know deserves a chance to you know at redemption and things like that and i think that as long as they're taking the steps in the right directions getting help and things like that yeah i'd I'd say like yeah i'm really happy for them then yeah i mean as as long as it's legit and he's really out there trying to get help and not just trying to smooth over his image by putting out some sort of publicity um you know letter like hey guys i'm getting myself better i mean as as long as he's actually doing it you know then props to him for doing that that's definitely the first step just for his own mental health but you know you still have to be held accountable you know, you still have to make up for the wrongs that you've certainly have done. Um, and again, he he's not out of the clear yet, right? He's got a ton of legal issues and allegations against him. Um, so I would assume, if anything, after his treatments, maybe they'll work on trying to clear his name or clear up his name. Um, I certainly have no idea. But um, again, an apology definitely doesn't uh, remove you from any accountability. Um, so hopefully, if uh, he did do something wrong, um, then I hope, um, you know, it, it works out the way that it does. So we'll yeah. see. 
Uh, Francois, what's up, Francois? Without spoiling anything, what do you think of the season premiere of She-Hulk? And what did you think of Chris Evans' reaction to him being referenced in this show? (laughs) Uh, And with her her being a female version of the Hulk, would you like to see her in Secret Wars? Uh, I I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, It would be kind of funny because, like, she seems very dead set on, I do not want to do any superhero stuff in this first episode. So, uh, and we didn't even have her on our Avengers team. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just kind of under the assumption that she's going to be in the MCU, but she's never going to like join any superhero team. She's just going to be their lawyer. Maybe she'll join the Fantastic Four for like uh, an episode or two, like she did in the comic books, but I don't see her becoming like a permanent member or anything like that. What did you think of the Chris Evans reaction? Oh my gosh, dude, that was so funny. I think the funniest thing about it was how soon it was like posted because I think it was like uh 37 minutes after midnight, meaning that he, in he order to make it. that post, you would have had to watch <laughs> the episode as it came out. So, I mean, there is a possibility Marvel like emailed Chris Evans oh. ahead of time was like, Hey Chris, can you make a tweet based on this? Or uh, maybe he has someone else running his Twitter for him. I know that celebrities have that, but you know, part of me just wants to believe Chris Evans watched it opening night and then just like had, you know, that fun joke to play with it. Yeah, I hope so too. It definitely feels like something Chris Evans would do, but I, you know, I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the premiere. I really enjoyed how it opened up immediately getting into like the lawyer jargon of, the responsibilities that like superheroes have with the powers that they have. It's definitely more of a lawyer take on the Ben, Ben Parker's with great power comes great responsibility uh, as she's trying to give like her closing arguments or like practice her closing arguments. So there's definitely aspects of the law show that I'm like already immediately like, Ooh, okay. Like how are you going to break this down Tatiana? But so I, uh, I really enjoyed kind of seeing that. And I, I really love just the, the freeness of the characters. I mean, I feel like the chemistry is really great between them. It feels like she's a part of a, a legitimate like law uh, business or whatever the case may be. Like I love her friends Her partners seem pretty cool. Um, it was interesting to kind of see how they utilized. Like they said that this series wasn't going to be an origin story, but episode one was very much an origin story in the sense of like, let's at least get uh, the briefness of how she changed you know, um, how she's dealing with it kind of in between the, oh, hey, by the way, I'm already She-Hulk sort of thing. Uh, I thought that was an interesting way to handle that. I didn't think that we would go into the episode and she was already Hulk. How did you how did you like that with the brief? Oh, by the way, guys, I got something to tell you type of thing. I thought that was a funny way to do it. And it's yeah. interesting because originally, like like you mentioned, they were actually not going to go with the origin story. They were actually going to have that kind of be towards the uh, end of the show. So I'm kind of glad they did an episode one just to get it there and out of the way. So it's like, okay, cool. Now you don't have to ask any questions going forward on. Now you know I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a Hulk, but mostly I'm a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and I, if anything, if I didn't have an issue with anything, though, it's probably maybe just the ending of the episode. And what I mean by that is is Titania sort of showing up and like the whole interaction we've literally seen in the trailers. And I yeah. guess, and I'm, I'm wondering to myself, like this isn't the full capacity of Titania, right? Like this isn't the only time we're going to see her, right? Like I hope she does have a much bigger role to maybe play um, like answering some questions. Why did she even attack the courtroom at the end sort of thing? I would like to see that. And maybe have her have a, a bigger role. But if you really just got Jamila Jamila just do like the two minute 
thing in here. Man, what a wasted opportunity. Do you think we're going to see more Titania, though? I think so. I think we're going to have to have a reason for why she did it, uh, like breaking into the uh, courtroom. I think it's going to be something like, oh, you know, prison isn't, uh, you know, prison's too good for this guy. He should just die now. You know, I feel like it's going to be something along those lines, or maybe she was trying to break him out because she knew he was screwed. Uh, But yeah, I'd be interested to learn about that. So I think like the action scene was really lazy fast and just kind of uninspired at the end but i also don't think they were trying to make it anything special and because of that i feel like we are going to get more of her and when we do it will be something like more spectacular Uh, and i really like tatiana maslani as uh, jen walters i think she did great in this i've always been a big fan of her work um so her being a part of this and it's just crazy so granted it's just one episode but i remember rumors and stuff talking about people saying behind the scenes oh this show is a mess guys like yeah, and I remember hearing about that a couple of times. Uh, but first episode out, I think they've done pretty good. We'll see what the other uh, the other episodes are like, though. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, John Schuyler, which has been the ne- which had the bigger negative impact on Power Rangers? Um, hold on. Which had the bigger negative impact on Power Rangers? Austin St. John, Walter Jones, and Toy Trang, Amy Joe Johnson. Karen Ashley leaving or David Yost? Uh, David Yost, because uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The other people leaving because of like them constantly cutting uh, or not cutting back their money, but refusing to uh, pay them more after the show became a success. That shit was also messed up too. But yeah, I think like the fact that there was a lot of harassment that David Yost was getting on set and then the producers uh, basically did nothing about it. I also think that was pretty uh, terrible as well. So I think that David Yost is the one I would go with being like a little bit worse. Yeah, I, I would I would go that route too. I think you're right there too. Uh, Chris Crossman, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor backlash. <laughs> what do you think of Jesse Eisenberg's interview and acknowledging that he faces backlash from fans regarding his portrayal of lex Luthor on batman v superman he noted uh he'd be shocked if he wound up in a dc movie again but that it wasn't something he's distressed about as he admitted this superhero genre is not an important genre in his life he says i'd be shocked if i wound up in a dc movie but it would be a pleasant shock listen i'm not a comic book fan to me i it was it was not playing a role that I'd envisioned since childhood. To me, it was a chance to play this great character that this great writer wrote, and I love doing that. Um, so uh, to play it as a joy and to not play it isn't something that I'm going to be ashamed to tell my kids about because that is not an important genre in my life, even though I love doing the movie. Um, because as an actor, you do all kinds of different things. And sometimes great roles show up in really commercial things. And sometimes terrible roles show up, show up in independent films. Uh, I think he's got a good point there. Um, yeah. I don't um, I don't expect Jesse. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I think we see Jesse Eisenberg maybe one more time as Lex Luthor. What about you? Or do you think we're done with him? I think we're done with him. I think his response is like one of the most mature things I think I've ever seen. Cause it would have been, yeah, it would have been incredibly easy for him to, you know, just be like, and especially cause like, I'm sure actors like him, uh, you know, go through a lot of harassment from, you know, the toxic fan base. So if he were to have much more of a, uh, get over it guys type of response, I wouldn't have even held that against him, you know? Um, 
but like the fact that yeah he had this kind of a response yeah good for him you know he's definitely an actor i i wouldn't mind seeing come back and coming back to the dc universe he's a great actor i just it's unfortunate because i just don't think he was right for lex Luthor. um but yeah i would love to see him come back to the dc universe or to, even to marvel at some point like that'd be kind of cool i'd love to see what uh marvel would do with him yeah, I didn't really have any pushback to say against what he said, just because like you said he did such a mature and great answer. Uh, I'm like, OK, yeah, I can I can understand your point of view. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely understand that. One last rogue question here from Francois. He did have it at the very end that I, I don't know if you saw this, Stuart, but he says, what do you think of the anonymous actor from the movie Batgirl calling Warner Brothers and the CEO an imbecile following following the cancellation of the movie? Did you hear about that? Uh, no. that article i did read it i can't remember if i posted it up online uh, on the facebook page this past week or the week before um or if i saw it on twitter i can't remember but this person kind of went in on david zaslav and their decision and calling them stupid and a bunch of imbeciles for the decision and one of the things that i um had issues with is like look i i know everybody is still are you know especially people that worked on the film um, probably feel some type of way about um, what happened to them, maybe feel like they were wronged, especially after all their hard work. Uh, maybe the optics just look so incredibly bad, too. You know, it's just like you guys are stupid for making these type of moves. You know, I don't have a problem with that person saying anything. The problem I have is if you're going to talk shit, put your name to it. Hmm. You know, uh, if you're going to go out there, anonymous actor, and say, what you feel about it i'm pretty sure you probably are still waiting for warner brothers discovery to hire you back to do more work for you to still work alongside them uh like i highly doubt that you're this person is turning their back against any warner brothers uh discovery movies that are currently in the works and maybe this is their attempt to stay anonymous so that they can keep a job but it's like at the same time it's just like if you're gonna if you're gonna say something like that I'd rather you just you put your name to it instead of like hiding behind the anonymous side of things um, to 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 vent. I, I don't know. It, it just feels kind of some type of way to me because I, I still feel like this person will still want to work with Warner Brothers Discovery if an opportunity opens up for them. Right. So why talk shit about the 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 head of the company at this point? But that that could just be me, Stuart. I don't think it's just that. I think it's also they could get blacklisted if they do that. Um you know, and uh, I think that's what they're more afraid of. I don't think it's like they care whether or not Warner Brothers hires them again for another project. I think it's more like, oh, well, what if Disney doesn't hire me now because mm. uh, I came out and, and voiced my frustration about them doing this? Definitely a possibility. You might be on yeah. something there, too. That could certainly be one of the reasons for sure. Which I don't know. For me, like if I was a Warner Brothers executive and I was like part of the team that made this decision, I would. I don't know. I I feel like I would want to like at least make it clear that if any actors wanted to speak out against it, there wouldn't. I wouldn't give them any like uh, like. I don't think they deserve like uh, to be blacklisted for doing so because I think like any actor, any producer, any writer that worked on that movie has every right to like go off on the Warner Brothers, like the executives, like the idea that you're an executive. So you get to make all these decisions that affect hundreds of people and then sit behind your chair and relax because, you know, no one can say anything to you because if they do, they're going to lose their job and get blacklisted. That's fucked up to me. That's fucked up that they put them in a situation like that to where it's like they don't feel like like they can be comfortable enough to say you're an asshole publicly. <laughs> like that's what's annoying. That's the problem. Yeah. So, you know, 
fuck the Warner Brothers executives for making it too scary for them to come out and say fuck you. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they also probably saw everything that's happened with Ray Fisher in the past, right? I guess, yeah, I guess it doesn't really lead to a very cohesive working relationship once anybody does kind of speak out against Warner Brothers Discovery. So, yeah, there could be definitely some reason for saying this kind of stuff anonymously because, um, yeah, that blacklisting is definitely a, a real thing when it comes to Hollywood, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, all right, guys, I think other than that, Stuart, I think that will wrap up all of our live viewer questions today go thank you very much guys for certainly joining us here for another episode of a plus hero report remember if anything next weekend uh we will not have an episode of a plus hero report on sunday um if anything though we may continue to roll out content for you guys remember we've got house of the dragon premiere dropping on monday for you guys she hulk episode two review dropping over on friday uh next week or this week for you guys and then of course we've got Stuart over at power morphicon uh that's going to be recording some panels for us maybe some interviews if he's lucky uh and then if any news or information that winds up dropping we'll definitely go ahead and um drop some videos for you guys as we uh celebrate power morphicon next weekend but um um, yeah, other than that, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. Stuart, if um, people want to go ahead and reach out to you on social media, where can they find you? You guys can find me at TurboStew01 over on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and also, guys, if you're not following us on Spotify, feel free to go ahead and do so. If you like your audio versions only of our shows and of our content, go ahead and check us out over on Spotify. There is a link in the description box below. You can also find us on anchor.com because uh, uh, our our audio podcasts definitely go out to not just Spotify, but I think Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts as well. Um, also, feel free to join us over on our Discord if you like. There's also another link in the description box for that. And if you want to follow us on social media you can do so right up here at a plus opinions very active over on instagram facebook and twitter so definitely go ahead and check us out over there but uh, until next time guys that'll do it for us so we'll certainly see you later but until then do me a big favor take care of yourselves take care of each other and keep it a plus we'll talk to you guys later bye